It's Tuesday, March 15th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. You can find them at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off-duty gear, custom orders, hot melted plastic, in the shape of whatever kind of weapon you're carrying. Mm. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The humblest of pillow farmers, one of the hardest working men in America who spoke at the Trump rally this weekend. We'll get into that later. Mike Lindell and my pillow. Overstock sales, my slippers, my robes, of course, my pillows. Prices lower than ever before. You can't forget Giza, Dream, everything. Big, big savings when you enter the promo code STEAK at checkout. Visit the website MyPillow.com forward slash steak or hit up a qualified pillow representative. If you want to talk it out, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're uh, gaming, potting, claiming uh, heaven is a place on earth. Thank you. Take care of those ears. Everything and up to including gaming specific headphones. Amazing. Odyssey.com. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's got a five star rating. And if you're into tradesies, he's a licensed FFL. Newly redesigned, easy to navigate website at WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. You can also hit him up on Facebook Messenger or via the telephone 619 870 6992. Steak for breakfast, backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off duty, they're wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. T-shirts, sweatshirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. They've, of course, got stickers and patches for when they're on duty. And a fire IG. Find them at MediocreMedic.com. And last but certainly not least, the top tier of Tactical Flare. The gold standard. Home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Dump box. Don't know? Go ask Mark. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. You go to the website at dumpbox.us. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our Substack, our Telegram, and more. And on that note, to all our friends joining us on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now True Social. Welcome. Tuesday edition. Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 116. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. 
Hello, hello. We've got an amazing show for you guys today. We're going to have two America First candidates, Elon Omar's primary challenger, Shu Abdurrahman will be joining us. We're going to have Trump endorsed gubernatorial candidate out of Maryland, Dan Cox. Kate Corrigan's going to be here as well, running in New York too, and big time political influencer. Bridget Gabriel will be joining us as well. How's everybody doing today? Good. What about you guys? Standing. We're doing good, I think. How was your weekend? We don't have weekends. What's a weekend? Yeah. True. Kind of with you there. We're always busy, but busy's good, I suppose. How's my 45 minutes of my day off I get to actually use for my day off stuff? There you go. (laughs) Even better. Well, the uh, conflict between Russia and Ukraine is raging on. So much rage. So much rage. So rageful. What do you guys think so far? Still waiting to see, uh, like, solid military engagement via the yeah. 23 million reported cell phones and the Elon Musk implemented Starlink technology that should have that internet running <laughs> fine in Ukraine right now. But still, nothing. Burned out buildings afterwards. Um, footage of the night sky. We'll see people shooting RPGs at tanks, which mm-hmm. who knows when that's from. Yeah, we did see, uh, I shared yesterday on Twitter, you can check it out, there was a uh, file footage from Lebanon in 2018, which was called Ukraine by MSNBC over the weekend. I saw this uh, video actually late last night, right before I went to bed. This uh, British English man traveled to to Ukraine, but he, he went to Poland first, mm-hmm. took a tram train, got into Ukraine and was at the center of Kiev when they were saying there was devastation and bombing and shelling. And he literally walked around for days recording. And he had to be really careful too, because he said, if they see you recording at all, they'll, the police will come up to you and tell you to stop, which is kind of wild. Makes sense though. Um, He said it was movie sets the entire time. Sounds like Disneyland. Like legit movie sets, filming, staging. It was it was bizarre. It was so quiet. He's like, all he's like, what they do is they they scare the shit out of the civilians and people that don't know, right? So they they're in the bunkers, they're in the basements, in the um, underground, and they play the sirens, but there's no bombing. Hmm. I I could definitely see that. And he proved that it was you know March third. March 2nd, March 3rd, when he was traveling there, he literally showed like a newspaper and a magazine of the date, you Mm. know, things that you couldn't really fabricate all on video. And yeah, he kind of, um, yeah, he was like, uh, yeah, it's not what they're saying. It is. It's pretty calm here. You know, they're filming a movie for the 40 experience. It was so wild to see because, you know, I wish it would be really good if Tucker got a hold of that footage. And I'm pretty sure he did, but I know they're trying to use a lot of discernment as possible, especially after Tucker's got pushed back from, I think, the CIA, the State Department, the Department of Defense, and now Mitt Romney over the last 72 hours um, <laughs> in regards to some of the stuff he's coming out there with. It's it's just, you know, it, it's interesting. We know the news narrative that we're seeing, you know, daily on our television sets is not the the one that is actually what's going on on the ground. Yes, there are probably people dying. Yes, there's probably skirmishes here and there. But when you're talking about, you know, some kind of a large scale invasion, we just don't see it. Um, yeah, that's not. I mean, I haven't seen anything of us. I mean, obviously, we've seen way too many, way too much more conflicting stuff and and propaganda and things from that are not even from Ukraine, like mm-hmm. you mentioned. Yeah, but I mean, like the, the people, like they say. the people that are sending 
these clips into these news news agencies that are from movies and stuff like that? Is it like the same people that are like trolling like the uh, the plane crash with like the names like We Too Low and Some Ting Wong and like all that shit? Like, I mean, is it the same people? Is it just like redditors just like, hey, check this out, controlling the news narrative, and that's one of the biggest things you have to. Uh you know, watch that. I actually saw this morning the Raleigh Nationalist sent a post and it had like an actual like statistical breakdown of some of the people that have won loss in the world world so far. It was like if you looked up like uh, on Wikipedia and it had like, you know, countries involved, amount of people dead, places they were invading and it had like. Republic of Kekistan and, and Redditors, <laughs> Reddit brigades in there as part of the people that are that are involved in the conflict. And then people in the comments section were like, oh, my God, the Redditors are actually going over there. And he's like, that's the point of the whole article. The answer is no. But, you know, you just have to kind of listen, even if it was like, let's just say, OK, so let's just say you're not getting cell phone service in places that are like hot zones right now. You would still have in this age of technology closed circuit footage of uh, security videos from houses, private residences, businesses. Whenever I see them show live pictures of downtown Kiev, it's, it's always there's people walking down the streets and cars driving. Grandma's walking their dogs yes, and like things people you, you, riding their bike normal. Well, the dog obviously has earplugs in. So it doesn't <laughs> well, hear the bombing. This guy, this guy showed actually like cars that were purposely damaged, literally staged perfectly in the middle of the road and in certain random spots and um, people taking photos and diff at different angles. Like he's like, oh, look at this gar garbage can lit on fire, you know, like <laughs> while everybody just hanging out, you know, eating like eating chips and whatnot, talking and like doing photo shoots. <laughs> I'm like, wow. seems really dangerous. Yeah, I think it, it's well, I think the most dangerous part is the amount of misinformation yeah, um, exactly. coming out right now. So we're just going to have to kind of continue to use discernment and uh, be very careful in what we're reporting because we don't want any more of Ghosts of Kiev flying over <laughs> anytime <laughs> yeah, soon. I mean, we're just trying to disseminate all this bullshit. And you know what? Honestly, citizen journalists are doing a way better job, clearly. Than a lot of these so-called journalists but yeah. also you know they have an agenda themselves as well so even though it's extremely dated now and, and proved to be debunked the new york post which is actually a pretty strong advocate for conservative narrative ran with the ghost of kiev narrative this past weekend it's it's bizarre wait like, still yeah well he wants a new plane from nato so so he can take out more of oh, the russian fighters <laughs> yeah. is it gonna be like uh like a NASCAR car with like all the sponsors on the side of it, like Shake and Bake, Rick and Bobby. I don't even I love know what how to they do keep my hands. Saying, I love how they keep saying how Putin's losing. Uh, Twelve thousand soldiers, uh, Russian soldiers, have been killed. They're being decimated, and I'm like, even if that was happening, where where are the bodies? Where are the mass graves? No, but if they if that was actually happening, the mainstream media would show it because. That, you know, they, they hate Putin and the Russians so much, you mm -hmm. know, in this disinformation, you know, war, but they can't even prove it themselves. <laughs> well, let's hear uh, MSNBC weigh in on it over the weekend, see how they uh, are looking at things right now in the legacy media. Interview from her ambassador to Ukraine, Maria Ivanovich, yesterday about her book. She 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 lays out and, and details with with indisputable facts the tie between Russian backed corrupt Ukrainians and Donald J. Trump. No. Oh. And I wonder your, your, your thoughts. And I've and, I, and I've been wondering this as I watch this war go on. That indisputable facts. The Republicans facts. voted to acquit Donald Trump. This is my Trump favorite kind. Blackmailing President Zelensky and withholding military aid. Like fact checkers. 
Yeah, look, the through line from that impeachment to where we are today is is pretty clear. And, you know, we're talking about disinformation. Well, that's exactly what Donald Trump wanted Volodymyr Zelensky to endorse is two completely bogus and made up uh, theories of of information. They were really Russian propaganda. And Mm -hmm. I think uh, Fiona Hill, who's uh, another impeachment witness, I feel like there have been several on here today, but that she identified that that Ukraine server theory as Russian propaganda that was originated by Vladimir Putin in early 2017. And so the, the relationship between Donald Trump and the Republican Party and Russian disinformation has over the past five years from the 2016 election to where we are today, completely become entangled uh, together. And you, as you point out, we don't see Donald Trump uh, criticizing Vladimir Putin at all. We see uh, Tucker Carlson and others uh, on the right um, championing uh, Vladimir Putin and opposing Ukraine. And it, it is dangerous because it gives an ally to Vladimir Putin that he otherwise would not have. And obviously, they're using it on state television. Um, but certainly, the the extortion that Donald tr- Trump tried to um, tried to use against Volodymyr Zelensky showed a couple things. One, it showed back then that President Zelensky was a tough guy. He did not succumb to Donald Trump's pressure, even though, as we are now seeing, how desperately he needs that military assistance. And two, it also shows. Uh, the degree to which Donald Trump controls and and Tucker Carlson and that wing controls the Republican Party because um, they all acquitted Donald Trump. They all didn't care, it seemed, very much about whether or not the congressionally appropriated military assistance actually got to Ukraine. And they absolved him. And from that point, he was emboldened and he turned, you know, the election into his own personal uh, vendetta to to keep power. And, you know, now here we are today where democracy is at peril in Ukraine, just as it's in peril here in the United States. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know where to go with that one. I don't either. It's like, what? So everybody I'm sure that's listening to this show has seen the Joe Biden demand that the investigator be fired. Yeah. Uh, Or they won't be receiving military aid. And according to the transcript from the perfect phone call, Donald Trump never said anything about you're not getting military aid or whatever we were sending over there. I believe at the time it was the uh, shoulder-fired missiles and uh, the javelins and stuff like that. Um, They talked about that vaguely, but he never kind of spun it into, I need you to dig up dirt on Joe Biden or you're not getting this stuff. No, we never said that. It's hilarious. They well, keep So the only undisputable fact is that Joe Biden actually did what they're projecting now, yeah. saying Donald Trump did. Basically. And I don't understand what the whole narrative into this conflict. Like, if this is the worst invasion since World War II, essentially. Why is that narrative even coming up and has anything to do with what's going on <laughs> right. now? I thought people were dying. I thought hospitals were being bombed. At this point, they're just pulling things, anything out of their ass, you know, to distract from all the shit they keep getting caught on that is a lie, you know, when it comes to this. I mean, they're just winging it at this point. And apparently democracy is in peril because of Tucker Carlson. 
How much peril are we talking here? Well, they yeah. Said, they said peril. Well, if they compared it to the same way as democracy is in peril in Ukraine. That Those were literally his words. So it must be very perilous. <sighs> so much peril. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's hear if CNN did any better with it. They uh, gave an update on, on President Zelensky and uh, what his next possible role hmm, would be. And Russia's campaign just seems to be getting worse and worse, especially when we talk about the impact on civilian lives. And yet we're hearing from some Ukrainian officials as well as a U.S. official that there is some optimism around the talks. We know there was a fourth talk today put on hold, but I, I do want to read the comment from the Ukrainian presidential advisor who says he thinks they will achieve concrete results in the next few days. Mm. I wonder why the optimism. What do you think? Well... Uh, the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, said in an interview yesterday that he is now cooling to the idea of joining NATO because he mm. says NATO doesn't want them. And if you talk to NATO officials, they will, they will tell you privately they cannot take on board as a member a country that is even partially occupied, much less in the middle of a full-blown war, because it immediately triggers that Article 5, which means all of the NATO nations would have to help them expel Russian forces. Been um, that for Zelensky weeks. realizes that this means all Russia has to do is just keep occupying Crimea and they're never going to be able to join NATO. Therefore, why not make a deal to stay neutral and get at least some of his country back? So you think that may be where this is headed? Uh, it's, it's his own realpolitik for the survival of his nation. But if Russia thinks that they're close to taking Kyiv, um, I don't know that Vladimir Putin's ego would let him um, step down from this continued attack. In terms of, yes, the Russian forces are stalled, but one of the ominous reasons they might have reached out to China is not because they were running out of stocks, mm. but because they're, they're thinking of this not in days and weeks like we are, but in months and years. Vladimir Putin had a plan that got him to this point. Um, he may just be planning to grind on with this campaign for as long as it takes to get either the territory he wants or the concessions he wants. Mm. Sounds like our movie is transitioning from the second to third act right now. Yeah. Is there an intermission? You're living through it. I got to go to the snack bar. I think uh, we could probably find a Kamala Harris montage to narrate. I didn't say cackle bar. <laughs> we are here. Right now. On the northern western flank. I'm sitting on my feet. It requires legs, but also a butt. And the left. And the right. Together. Today. At the, end, at the end of the day, you stick up for your friends. <laughs> mm. Pretty, pretty. So, two of the major ist, although viewership is way down, legacy media outlets over the weekend were talking about stuff that was much to do about nothing. Donald Trump is the reason that this war started, essentially. Of course. Russia, Russia inclusion is real. Yes. And then. Factual. The only way to get out of this is to agree to the stuff that. Putin demanded Zelensky did before it started, which was no NATO, no EU, go neutral, give up Crimea, Donbass region is independent, we're gone, or we'll stop. Whether or not that be the case in the end of the day, it seems to be the narrative that, uh, you know, the media is starting to spin right now. But again, this is the equivalent of, you know, having NATO forces in Ukraine. It would be basically the, the same as 
when we didn't like it when Russia was trying to pee people in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Yes. A little too close for comfort. Extremely. Getting in my buffer zone. Highway to the danger zone. I wish we had a button for that. I know, right? <laughs> well, Jake Sullivan came and gave an update over at the uh, State Department. And you can only amass that it was extremely titillating from the former Susan Rice staffer and never Trumper in regards to uh, phone calls that are currently happening or not. said that consequences have been communicated to Russia, but from my reporting, I've heard there's no presidential contact. There's no secretary of state contact. The military leaders in Russia just aren't picking up the phone. You personally <laughs> trend. have communicated this to someone in the Russian government? I'm not going to get specific about the nature of our communication with the Russians. I will also say that it's not just the United States uh, that has channels to the Russians, but many of our allies and partners. And we coordinate closely in terms of uh, what we communicate to them, how and on what topics. Uh, like and that will continue, but it will continue through private diplomatic channels. Because if you think Putin's going to stop, it's going to get worse and worse. He's not going to accept it. And we don't have anybody to talk to him. You had somebody to talk to him with me. Nobody was ever tougher on Russia than me. I'm the one that stopped the pipeline. I had it stopped. I'm the one that put all the sanctions on. And I'm the one that he didn't attack during our administration. Everyone's asking about that now, even the radical left reporters up there. The U.S. must make clear to Putin that he has two choices, to negotiate peace right now or else face blistering consequences, including a push to permanently eliminate dependence on Russian energy. And we're talking about forever or for a long, long time, because without the money coming in from energy, Russia doesn't work. But to make this threat credible, the U.S. would have to immediately end Biden's ridiculous. Hey, how did that get in there? Weird. Yeah. We'll get to the Trump rally later. So, no one's answering the phone when the Biden administration calls. That's Russia, UAE, Saudi Arabia. Like, maybe a little China. They sometimes. do the, the courteous, like, let it ring a few times or just directly to voicemail. Because, you know, <laughs> like when you call and somebody sends you right to voicemail, you're all, hey. I wonder how, uh, how that goes, though, for real. Like, I'm calling them. I like feel I feel like it goes them. exactly like what happens when Joe Biden's wandering around on stage not knowing what's going on. <laughs> like when he's trying to leave and he doesn't have his wife to like lead him, you know, off yeah. to wherever they need to go. I feel mm-hmm. like he's just like, well, A, he's probably not the one making the call. Yeah, obviously. He's like tied up in the corner or something. Oh, I'm Jill's <laughs> husband. <laughs> Having an ice cream. The UN Secretary General came out over the weekend. He's sitting in a kiddie pool watching his leg hair. <laughs> the look on your face, it looked like you threw up in your mouth a little bit. Corn Pop was a bad dude. It was a bad dude. I actually referenced Corn Pop in a conversation yesterday. It was pretty good. (laughs) Called him him old Corn Pop when somebody was trying to tell me that Biden wasn't doing a shitty job. Of course, deflected and, well, Trump and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, good, good argument. We're still reeling from all those wars and international conflicts that Trump got us in. Right? Still zero. I mean, they didn't even need to, like, put footage from video games. No. It was just. <laughs> they did except, it live. Except maybe, like, Grand Theft Auto. Oh, there you go. Summer of Love? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You know who's not loving anything right now is the UN Secretary General. Um, so they, the international community can't decide on whether or not they're going to false flag bio attacks or nuclear attacks. I'm assuming that bio attacks would be a little bit easier to recreate using crisis actors. Um, well, it's funny they're 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 denying that there are bio, U.S. bio labs in the media, but then you've got Newland that admits to it yep. and and says that they're afraid of Russia getting their hands on them. So what is it? Are there or aren't there? It's it's hilarious. They're just imploding every which way. Extremely, and uh, you know you, you just can't tell what the narrative is going to be next. So we, we had heard all the stuff regarding the bioweapons heading into the weekend, but as there was an uptick in uh, news throughout the weekend. Do you think the next part of the narrative is going to be one of those bio labs leaked out and there's actually a zombie apocalypse? Oof. Well, you never of, know. I mean... There's a lot of video games they could pull footage from for that one. Right? Exactly. <laughs> all of a sudden you see Rick Grimes walk by. Carl! <laughs> Shame. Carl. Let's hear the UN Secretary General. Finally, further escalation of the war, whether by accident or design, threatens all of humanity. Raising the alert of Russian nuclear forces is a bone-chilling development. The prospect of nuclear conflict, once unthinkable, is now back within the realm of possibility. Oh. The security and safety of nuclear facilities must also be preserved. It's time to stop the horror unleashed on the people of Ukraine and get on the path of diplomacy and peace. Hmm. What do you think, okay. Noah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heighten mm-hmm. nuclear everything? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. More of that. Antoinette teased talking about the biolabs. And uh, Tucky had some additional commentary on that last night. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because you did hear after shows like his and then additional pundits like Tulsi Gabbard weighed yeah. in on it last week. Um, some of our elected officials like Liz Cheney, um, Kinzinger, and uh, Mitt Romney called them treasonist and that they should be arrested. <laughs> oh, God. For dissension from the United States for even <sighs> theorizing that biolabs that are funded by the U.S. even exist in Ukraine. These people. Chucky was mad. A little agitated. Let's hear him. Now, if you take three steps back, the problem with the debate that we're having over Ukraine and Russia, and particularly with biolabs in Ukraine, Mm. isn't that people disagree about what the facts are. It's that nobody involved seems to be able to think clearly, think rationally, think empirically. Everyone seems to have gone crazy, and that's bad because the people who have gone crazy are the ones making all of the decisions. So it's not really about this specific issue. It's about our leaders' capacity to lead. But the bioweapons story is just a perfect illustration. So we just talked to Tulsi Gabbard, who was denounced as treasonous, Mm. potentially a murderer, by a sitting U.S. senator. Admittedly, it was Mitt Romney, but he spoke for many. (laughs) Because she said, look, Toria Newland." Undersecretary of State has said under oath there are biolabs in Ukraine. And the contents of those labs, because it's a war zone, they haven't been secured, could wind up in the wrong hands. To which Tulsi Gabbard said, holy smokes, this is a big deal. I serve in the U.S. Army. We don't want that. By the way, we know that biolabs can sometimes cause massive problems for the world. I think we've just seen that. Mm -hmm. So then, so that was Tulsi Gabbard's point. 
The New York Times was quick to denounce us for even talking about the subject. Oh, don't call them bioweapons. We never alleged the United States was making bioweapons. We don't know that. What we said is what's factually true, which is there are stores, we learned this from the U.S. government, of Soviet-era bioweapons in Ukraine that for some reason have not yet been destroyed. That's a huge problem, potentially. Yeah. And the New York Times admitted that in their attack of us. Here's the quote. We'll just put it up. Mr. Pope, this is Robert Pope who runs the program, had warned that Russia's invasion of Ukraine may damage laboratories in the country that conduct research and disease surveillance and are supported by the United States. He noted that some of the facilities may contain pathogens once used for Soviet-era bioweapons programs, but he emphasized the Ukrainian labs did not have the ability to manufacture bioweapons. Okay. Well, we quoted him too. That's true, and it's terrifying. And if we can't respond to it because everyone's afraid of being called a tool of a foreign country, people who are trying their very hardest with the greatest level of sincerity to protect the United States, then we have lost the threat. Then we can't lead the world. We can't even lead our own country if people like that are in charge. Well, it seems like the legacy media is doing anything and everything possible, including dispatching elected members of our Congress to dispel this narrative and and make it extremely hard for someone to get it across as even remotely legitimate. Well, I mean, the the proof is out there. Yeah. You know, it, it came from the horse's mouth and it was on the U.S. Embassy websites and, and it was on government websites. They can do whatever they want, but the, the cat's kind of out of the bag, you know. No, you're 100 percent right. It's just the fact of the matter is, is they don't want. You yeah, know, they, it, it, they, they keep demonize it by attaching the word weapons to it and saying yeah. that that's what everybody's, you know, it's just like, a word. like they're just trying to make a play on words. It's all the same shit. Y'all were doing illegal stuff with these labs end of and <clears throat> I mean, they're only prolonging what's inevitable, in my opinion. Yeah. You know? So, well, you know, who's got a non-prolonged opinion is Jen Psaki, especially when she's answering all the toughies. She was pressed yesterday on a couple different issues. Let's hear her weigh in on uh, just a few of them. This time where you are trying your end game in Ukraine. You, you are not going there. You are not sending troops there. there. There will be no flight, no, no flight zone over Ukraine. And are you, will it be a fair assessment to say that you are pushing these guys to commit suicide, knowing that Russia has a superpower and eventually it will uh, capture the main cities, Kiev and Kharkiv and all the cities around there? What's the end game? Well, the end game is really a question for President Putin. We have we have completely crushed his economy. Uh, we have provided military assistance, humanitarian assistance to the Ukrainians, enabling them to fight back for far longer uh, than the Russian leadership uh, anticipated. Uh, and false. again, he has to uh, he has to determine what the path forward looks for like for him. Thanks, everyone. Wow, solid How answer. Did she doesn't get her own handlers to go. Okay, everybody, thank you, thank you. Get the fuck out. Like, it's crazy. Like, she knows she's blatantly lying. Like, how did... <laughs> she must really hate her job. She has to. They won't or let it... her leave. She was supposed to leave at the beginning of the year. She was? She, yeah. She was, didn't she? Yeah. I forgot about that. They're like, oh, well... No, nobody else wants the job. <laughs> she announced in October that uh, she'd be leaving in January. Well, they threatened to release the uh, videos of her getting spanked in a clown wig, probably. By Big Mike. <sighs> 
Big Mike! Yeah. Well, that's kind of where we're at in Russia and Ukraine. I wish I had some <laughs> Russia and Ukraine to report nah. on. <laughs> that's, the Ru- that's awkward. The Russian government sanctioned Joe Biden over the weekend. This is our last audio clip regarding this narrative. Is I don't. It, is this the one where Jen Psaki said maybe it was his dad? Yeah. You want to hear it? <laughs> yeah. Let's give a listen. More on the uh, sanctions sure. were imposed today by Russia against yourself, President Biden, other top U.S. officials. Um, do you have a re- response to that? And how will it impact any of you, if at all? Sure. I would first note that President sure. Biden is a junior. So uh, they may may have sanctioned his dad. May he rest in peace. Um, The second piece I would say is that won't surprise any of you uh, that none of us are planning uh, tourist trips to Russia. None of us have bank accounts that we won't be able to access. So we will forge ahead. What about her uh, hat? You think they're going to ask for their hat back? (laughs) Just. (laughs) She's a Russian agent. I, how? How do you say that with a straight face? Yeah, the, her, the, his dad? Like, where did that come from? You're, you're, you're really think. asking And about, then she said peace, I, and then the second piece is. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. It's so insane. Like, it just, it's so distracting. Yeah. Which is, I guess, the point. Yeah, I guess so. How sad is the military-industrial complex that they haven't been able to bomb everywhere? Oh, I thought you... Well, that's I see. I was thinking about that. Like, if if Biden was really in control of everything, like people are assuming, and we assume since he's supposed to be the resident, I think the American troops would be in there already. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's pretty interesting to see that. uh, You know, we haven't even had any reports of. You know, usually we've got. Well, I'm the glad they're not, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you would think. I, I would have to say, though, uh, some of our special operators are in there. By, by Yeah. For sure. That for, Got that dropped for in, sure. Yeah. Well, then uh, there's there's videos of people that went over on their own mm-hmm. to yeah. fight Canada, or whatever. Ukraine, yeah. Ukraine and, and America. But, I mean, like, what are those guys doing? Are they over there just like, oh, there's nothing to do? Well, mm-hmm. Hanging out, having a sandwich next to the burning trash can? Here's another thing. Like, wouldn't you be mad if you, you know, used your own money to get over there to do something you thought was right, and then you show up, and there's nothing happening? Basically, like, why? What? I mean, on the <laughs> other side of the coin, why aren't we seeing those people speaking out, or are they in a gulag having porridge, <laughs> gruel? Gruel. I'm gruel. just thinking gruel. Yeah, you're you're thinking of uh, the three bears. There you go. <laughs> Russian bears? Russian bears. Okay, well, I, I wasn't too far another, I just saw another video on Telegram, and I couldn't believe it. Is it Putin These riding Russians a bear? Really with bears. Like, you've got a bear, like a huge-ass bear on his, like, shoulders, just chilling, like, rubbing his head like he's the pet. <laughs> and this big, burly guy just, like, singing, like, while playing a guitar, singing to this bear. And then the bear's, like, so excited, like, rubbing his head. I'm like, <laughs> I never really believed that whole, the whole bear thing until I saw that. Welcome to Russia. A couple other... <laughs> Agenda items regarding this. There's going to be an emergency NATO summit next week. I believe in Brussels, Joe Biden is being dispatched. Are they? Oh, wow. Is is everybody going to agree to pay? Mm. (laughs) Hey, you know. Are you talking about the 2% or 10% for the big guy? Uh, Mm. It's like when they're writing IOUs at dinner time, (laughs) and then like Germany steals a tip. 
this whole narrative has gone so far off the rails. I think the funniest piece of information that's come out in, in at least the last 48 hours was that Tesla owner, operator, and CEO, Elon Musk, has challenged via pay-per-view <laughs> Vlad- <laughs> Vladimir Putin <laughs> what? to a fight. For real? Things that we have hypothesized like, on this show. No, Elon, Elon Musk changed his profile pic to an extremely base sunglasses-wearing version of himself, and then the, the pinned tweet yesterday was, choose your fighter, and it was the shirtless Putin photoshopped onto riding a bear mm-hmm. and Elon Musk, like, laughing, blowing the fire extinguisher. He's loving it. He's, yeah, he's just loving Because he hates Joe Biden. He hates his administration, what they did both to his company and to the American economy. And now he's saying that this is so fucking ridiculous. I'm going to get in and make it ridiculous. And all of the comments underneath it were <laughs> Elon Musk photoshopped into Iron Man suits. <laughs> yeah, I love to see Putin's reaction to this. Putin's probably loving this himself, too. Like, you know, with Elon getting in. What if he just says, fuck it? Like, all right, let's fight. Let's I do mean, it. Imagine. He seems, I don't know. Elon Musk might be hard, hard. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> Elon Musk might be hard pressed to take him in a fist fight, but I'd like to see it. We might have another uh, pay-per-view to cure world hunger. That'd be so or funny. Former KGB assassin versus. That guy, <laughs> yeah. that guy's loosely. The, the biggest nerd on earth. I know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he might need the Iron Man suit. Well, they made it very specific, uh, you know, in, when the Iron Man movies came out to show that he was, like, kickboxing and MMAing, like, in his own time to make sure that he could, like, take care of himself, Tony Stark. So I think maybe Elon Musk maybe romanticizes with that a little bit or... Except doesn't do that. Yeah. He's kind of got a little bit of a pot belly. So, you so, know... So do I. He gained a little bit of weight, didn't he? Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he, he might, looks like he might be a stress eater and then the whole thing with Grimes and then, obviously, Tesla. Who's dating Chelsea Manning. Anyways, okay. oh. <laughs> wait, who's dating to Chelsea Manning? Grimes, his ex. Oh, that's awkward. It hasn't been fully re- like confirmed it- yet, but it's it's kind of. And there we are, full circle back to The Walking Dead. Rick Grimes. Yeah. If anybody else was wondering, Russia's doing just fine economy wise with all their sanctions and the bullshit that's been put on them by whoever. Preparing for this for a very long time. They've been know. pushed right into the arms of China, who's buying all of their fuel, all of their agriculture resources, their fertilizers, and natural gas right now. So, in addition mm-hmm. to that. So, you're saying the sanctions are just as successful as this presidency has been, mm, if not more. Probably more. Or less. Mm-hmm. However, today, keep, keep in mind. As we segue away from here and get ready to be joined by our first guest, it is still all Donald Trump's voice. And uh, we are going to be joined now by Miss Brigitte Gabriel, and it's going to be an absolute banger. All right, joining us on the show first today, she is a national security analyst, New York Times bestselling author, and the chairman for actforamerica.org. Her latest bestseller is Rise. Miss Brigitte Gabriel, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you for having me. Ma'am, it's our pleasure. How's everything going on your end? Very busy, I'm assuming. Uh, I am as busy as a mosquito in a, in a nude camp, so it's been very busy. <laughs> well, it, it's a busy time for the country right now, and uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I think the news cycle, this is probably one of the busiest news cycles in the history of the universe, and... Uh, a lot of it is coming out of Washington, D.C. We know you are extremely critical and honest about what's going on in the Beltway right now, especially with the uh, the Biden administration. You want to give us some hot takes on some of the things you're seeing coming out of there? 
Well, look, I mean, the whole world is watching America, the weakness of America. Uh, uh, we have relinquished power. We have a senile uh, person for a president. We have an ignoramus for a vice president. And I am sorry I'm using such strong language. Who would have thought? I never thought the day I immigrated to the United States, which I respected so much, that one day as an American, I'm going to be talking about the leadership of the president of the vice president of the United States representing us in a terrible way across the globe. And because of their weakness, right now the whole world is witnessing a void, a vacuum that is being filled uh, by uh, uh, ruthless dictators, by thugs. Uh, Iran is laughing. Uh, North Korea is rejoicing. Uh, Putin obviously is marching through um, the Ukraine and he's got his eyes set on other parts trying to unite greater Russia. And meanwhile, America is sitting like sitting ducks. We we can barely defend ourselves. Our military have been wussified. So from where I am sitting as a national security analyst, I have a lot to be concerned about. And it's not pretty up here. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty good take to say the least. We've got so many different fires on so many different ends. And then when you talk about national security, we could start here at home. You know, we've seen the, the, the absolute disaster that's going on down at our southern border now for, for over a year, probably close to 3 million people that, you know, Homeland Security can account for have come in, in addition to all the getaways. And, and when you talk about all the uh, people who may or may not be crossing the border, we can only assume that there are some bad characters and actors in there. You want to kind of uh, give our listenership a little insight on how you feel about that situation? Uh, absolutely. Look, here we are very concerned fighting for the Ukraine. What about our southern border? What about our northern border? But let's start with the southern border. We are exposed on both our borders. But with the southern border and those who are coming through our country right now, we are no longer just worried about Islamic terrorists. We are not worried about the Chinese coming. We are worried about people from Uzbekistan coming. We are worried about uh, from uh, people from Somalia coming. The world, the word is out on the street across the world. You don't need to go to an American embassy to apply for a visa. You don't need to go through the expense of paying for a visa, paying for your lawyers to come to the United States, trying to get your green card, trying to do it by the book. You can you can eliminate all that. All you have to do is get yourself to Mexico. And from Mexico, you can waltz your way to the United States. You don't have to wait 10 years. Once you get to the United States, the red carpet will be laid out to you. Instead of you paying the American government to do your blood work, to become an American citizen. Here, to give you an idea, Noah, of that process, because I am a legal immigrant to the United States. I came to America in 1989 as a legal immigrant, and I did it by the book, the process that uh, almost uh, most Americans, most immigrants who have done it up until the last few years the right way. We go to the embassy, the American embassy, from whatever country we live in. We knock on the door, we schedule an appointment, we go into the embassy, we sit in front of an interviewer, and we say, I am here to apply for a visa to come visit your country. May I be granted a visa? I would be so grateful if you'll allow me. After they interview you, they give you a visa. You come to the United States. Uh, if you decide to immigrate here, you go through the legal process of becoming an American. I came to the United States by marriage. So uh, I was married to an American and already had an American child. Uh, I started the, the process to apply for a green card. First of all, I paid for my airline ticket to come to the United States. I paid for my visa to get a visa to come to the United States. You still have to pay for that as well. 
I came to America, I hired an attorney to do my paperwork, and I paid for that. I also had to do medical tests. So I went to doctors where I had to be tested for leprosy. I had to be tested for tuberculosis. Um, America needed to make sure that I, as somebody coming to the United States and applying to be a, a legal alien at that point, that's how you start, uh, they wanted to make sure I'm not bringing diseases to the country. And by the way, I hated needles, but I went through the process and even paid for it because that's a part of the process of coming to America. Mm -hmm. And once I uh, got the green card, I had to study. I had to wait four years. And that's because I was already married to an American. I had to, to wait four years and then study a two-inch thick book written by the Daughters of the American Revolution about America's history, America's background, our constitution, our judicial system, our, our, our congressional process. And once I did that, I had to take an exam, a verbal exam, as well as a written exam in English and pass in both ways in order for me to become an American. By the time I became an American, Noah, I knew more about America's history, our judicial process, how many senators we had, how many Congress people we had, all of that stuff, more than my American-born husband did. Now, that's the process. Today, in today's America, you can avoid all that. You can just go to Mexico, bribe the cartel with, you know, two, three, so four, even $5,000. That is nothing compared to going through the legal process of becoming an American. And then once you get here, instead of you paying America, then the American taxpayer has to pay you a salary, food stamps, medical bills. Um, you basically are put on welfare um, because they, they want to make sure, you know, you're closed, you're fed, you're protected, you are somewhere. And then now nobody's watching, nobody's deporting anything. They want to bring more people to America. Yeah. More criminals to America. Let, let me clarify the two because we, I, we don't want to say people because I am a part of the people who did it the legal way. I'm a legal immigrant who respected the laws of the country I was immigrating to. I respected the American public. I respected the government. I respected, I didn't steal anything from anybody. I didn't take anything for granted. And I worked very hard to earn the privilege to become an American citizen. There's a big difference between somebody coming to this country legally and a criminal breaking the law and coming into the United States to steal, to loot, and to live off the back of the American taxpayer. Well, you, you can tell I'm waited. passionate about this, can't you? Yes. Yeah, and I, I know this because a lot of my family, I mean, I'm first generation, and that whole, the, doing it the right way in the whole process, you know, you notice a difference in people that, you know, cut the, you know, cut the, the line as, a, as opposed to somebody like you, you love this country more than Americans that are born and raised here. Yes. You could see the difference in, in, in the love of country and how much you respect, you know, the process obviously was very long and, and it, may, it does make you appreciate it. But a lot it. of people who are coming here, hate our country and don't give a shit right. about our country. You know, they're here to pillage it and go on to the next one in, in many ways now. 
And I think that's very sad. That's a great point. And and I want to make something. I want to make another point in here. I came to America to make America great and greater. I wanted to be a part of the American experience, the American fabric. I wanted to be a part of the greatest nation that ever existed on the face of the planet. I wanted to be a part of the American culture, the American experience to contribute my gifts as an Amer- as as a human to the American experience. I came here to give and participate, not to take and steal. And I think that is the difference. Um, you know, and this is the first time I actually talk about it that way, but wow, I'm listening to myself speak. And that's exactly the difference between those who came like me to give to this country, to become a part of this great experience, to make America greater because I know what I left behind and a corrupt country, thugs, corruption, which you, you probably you, you find in over 90% of the world. Mm-hmm. And listen, even though in America we think we have corruption, we are nowhere near with all our corruption. It's not like what we what, what people have in other countries. Even though under the Biden administration <laughs> of the Democrats, we're getting very, very close, very close. Um, to the thuggery and lying that's happening in other countries. No, I like it. That's that's a good point you made there. And, and this uh, is the fire that I've heard from, you know, even people that we don't talk to on the show, like people offline that I talk to that have gone through this process and yeah. have become an American citizen. Like, you know, they got the thing framed on their wall because they're proud of it. They're not, you know, folding yeah. it up in their, their wallet like a treasure map. My mother went for her American passport after being a green card holder for many years. My parents came here for the American dream. She was so proud when she walked out and and got that blue American passport. She's like, I immigrated here from communism and socialism. She goes to, you know, for the American dream, the greatest country on the face of the planet, it always will be, you know, and, and they passed down those, those ideals and values to us and all my siblings, you know, see what, how much, you know, they struggled and others in our family struggled to get here. And, and it's sad, you know, because a lot of Americans that were born and raised here that don't have any culture, don't realize what, what they're going to lose if they don't wake up, you know? Yeah, it's one of those. Because Antoinette, they have nothing to compare it to. They've never lived under tyranny. They've never lived in a third world country. I mean, our idea of poor in America, even the poorest of the poor in America, they have heating and air conditioning. I mean, look at the people that live on welfare. Heating and air conditioning, medical, medicine is provided, eye care, tooth care, dental care, uh, physical care, uh, dishwashers. Even the poorest of the poor have dishwashers in our country. They even have cell phones. This is what in America we consider poor uh, you get a check from the government so you can shop at the same grocery store you and I shop at I mean I remember when I first came to America and I started my own business and I would go to Food Lion which is a big chain grocery store on the East Coast and I would go to Food Lion shopping and I would buy the Food Lion generic cereal the Food Lion generic anything generic brand and I wouldn't buy any expensive fruits because I couldn't afford it I was starting my own business and I remember standing in line And at that time, I didn't know anything about food stamps. And I remember somebody standing there buying Carvel ice cream, all the name brand, you know, grocery uh, uh, carts stuffed with all the the, the name brands. And they didn't pay in cash. They paid in some kind of papers, like money that I did not recognize. Um, (laughs) Of course, later I learned this is welfare. But 
but, but you know, the difference between an immigrant who's starting a business, punching pennies, and what our poorest of the poor live in America. That's our people's idea of being poor. That's why they have no fire in their belly to fight for anything because they do not understand how good they have it. They've had it all their life. Even the losers in our country have had it so good. Why should they fight? <laughs> yeah, It's no. so true. It's so true. It's an excellent point to think like now, you know, after you've laid out extensively the whole process and, and you know, the difference between what being down and out in like a third world country and being down and out, people would literally kill for it. Now they're just getting put on planes. They're, they're coming into the United States and within like two weeks, they've got work authorization to go and make the same money that an American or, or, or you know, a, a legal resident has to do in this country. And, and in some cities like, you know, New York, for instance, within 30 days, they could vote supposedly in just municipal elections. Uh, but we all know how that rolls into the big ones. Uh, we are fighting that. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up because this is an important uh, an important point. You know, I started my organization, Act for America, and I'm going to talk to you now about what we are doing about election integrity and making sure that only Americans vote in an American election. Now, I'm going to tell you about Act for America. I started Act for America after 9-11 because I realized education is important, but education without action doesn't work. We've got to be mobilized to protect the country. Um, you know, and I named the organization Act for America. Now, think about America, not wish for America, not hope for America, <laughs> but what? Act. Act. Act for America. So I encourage people, if you like my voice, if you like the message that I'm sharing with you, if you feel, oh my gosh, this lady is talking what I'm thinking, Go to actforamerica.org. Sign up to get our emails and action alerts. We are over 1.7 million members nationwide. Wow. We have helped pass 123 bills on the federal level and the state level to protect America. And now our biggest project this year is election integrity. Uh, secure our election. By the end of this week, we're going to have a page on our website, Secure Our Election. I need you to go to actforamerica.org, sign up to start a group, start a chapter in your community. We are cleaning voter rolls. We already have a database with all the voters who voted in the last election. We are going in and cleaning the voter rolls. We have volunteers working in their community. Um, we are training you how to be an effective citizen and to make sure that we not only pass bills that will ban Dominion machines from being used in different states, because remember, all politics is local. All politics are local. Remember, it's, you know, it's the local state delegates and state senators that vote on Dominion machines, not members of Congress sitting on Capitol Hill. Right. It is uh, your city council uh, that decides to defund the police, not Washington, D.C. It is your local mayors to who tell the police to stand down, not Washington, D.C. So a lot of politics are local. So you need to make sure you get involved. Go to actforamerica.org, start a chapter in your community, click on take action, sign the action alerts that we send out. We are monitoring bills coming down for a vote in your community. I know a lot of people are watching us on the internet from all over the United States. We want to make sure you are connected and you are informed about what's happening in your community. If you are a member of another group, we don't care. We want to help you. We want to support you. 
you. You don't have to change your group number. Just register your group with us so we can supply you with the same information that we have and give you the training that we have that we offer to our own members. We want to empower every single one out there to be able to take action and mobilize to take back our country and preserve our culture, our sovereignty, and our security. Go to actforamerica.org. Sign up. Take action today. That's uh, like the fire. Yeah, definitely one of those things we need to be focusing on, and we're going to stay in that same thread. Brigitte, Donald Trump has been out there working extremely hard, probably harder than most presidents who uh, aren't in the Oval Office right now. And we've seen just this past weekend, he was rocking in South Carolina. He had a completely new agenda uh, lined up, as you could see him kind of making that shift uh, to support all of the America First candidates who are working to get over the hump and uh, in the beltway in the 2022 midterm elections. Listen, he's kingmaking right now, and his uh, track record is pretty good. What can you say about, okay, so this midterm elections is probably different than a lot of the other ones we've seen in the past several decades. And it's people who aren't normally trying to get in politics have seen different things in this country, whether it was inspired by Donald Trump's presidency or the way the country has taken a a, a big downturn shift since he's left the Oval Office. And, And right now we've got... Tons of really good candidates running in this election. Can you just talk about the importance of of how the America First movement is just gaining steam and how important it is to get these candidates into Washington, D.C. during this election? Uh, the America First movement ha- has not lost a beat. Uh, just because President Trump is not sitting at the w- inside the White House right now, we the people are the movement. You know, it's, it's not about one man. It's about a movement. It's about the spirit of America. It's about the passion for America. It's about the people who believe America is the most exceptional nation on the face of the planet. And I know if you are listening to this podcast right now, if you're listening to this show, you are one of us and we are here. It doesn't matter what president is in the White House. It doesn't matter 10 years from now, even if President Trump gets elected, gets back into the White House for another four years and then he's out. And then after that, after that, it doesn't mean that America First movement is over. We are here to stay and we are training our children that America first is our slogan. America will always come first to the American people. It is our duty. And that's why this upcoming election, this midterm election, is so important because this is the litmus test. We need to make sure we elect people who are America first candidates who have a spine, who are not intimidated, who are willing to stand up and fight for America. And pretty much everybody on our side understands. And even if some Democrats who are walking away from the Democratic Party understand that we are losing our country. This midterm election is so important, especially after the disastrous first year. And by the midterm, it's going to be two years of the Biden presidency. I mean, look at the damage the guy has done in one year. How much can he destroy America anymore? Um, So people are going to turn out. People are going to turn out in droves. I think we're going to see such a turnout like a presidential election in this midterm. Uh, And I believe even Democrats are going to come out and vote uh, for people who they believe is going to be able to uh, are going to be able to protect the country, stabilize the country. Right now, we're not stable. I mean, we're not just talking about making America great. We're talking about stabilizing the ship because right now we are drowning. 
Um, even Democrats realize that right now. So um, it's very important. You need to identify candidates in your community who are America first movement, who are America first candidates, who are, um, ask them when you show up to town hall, when you see these people running, uh, are you going to join the Freedom Caucus, the Congressional Freedom Caucus? Um, their answer should tell you so much about where they stand. We want people who are ready to fight for America and represent us, and represent us. not some slimy sway in the wind like Lindsey Graham, <laughs> uh, Mitt Romney, uh, and all these rhinos, uh, Liz Cheney. Uh, and I, I can run down a whole list of names, but you all know them. We, we need to change leadership. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest points that, you know, we always ask the people who are coming on. There's there's ones who have been in government, too, like, for instance, Adam Lexalt or Eric Greitens that have, that have been in positions before that really kind of understand how the Beltway works. And then a lot of people who served in the military, like the Joe Kent of the world, Anthony Sabatini down in Florida, who's a... Uh, you know, uh, he's a state senator there now, and it's just one of the things when you talk about understanding the the intricacies of the Beltway and and how things go. A lot of it comes and goes and starts with leadership. We saw it at the beginning of the of the Trump presidency back in in 2016. What happened with his own party? You know, stalling all of the uh, Make America First or Make America Great Again agenda, and then that rolled right into the Democrats winning the midterms, and that they were able to slow down the back end of it, even though he got so much stuff done throughout the course of his presidency. If he had people in there who were actually America first and understood what the people in this country want, not what's best in their uh, monetary interest, we would have had a lot more things done and probably a lot done a lot smoother. You know, One of the best parts about Donald Trump was if he wasn't getting done what he promised the American people, he would go out and just stump on it over and over again at rallies. He'd do it at international summits like G7 and all those other things. And you know, he would try to hold all these leaders accountable. And, and that was part of his, his big success. But if his party was working with him more fluidly, if there was a lot more America First candidates already in Washington and not, like you said, Lindsey Graham's, Mitch McConnell's, all the old Chris Christie people and stuff like that that were still in the government, plus the Obama holdovers that stayed on as uh, you know, part of the administrative state, we would have done a lot better. I think round two is going to be a lot more uh, interesting to see and um, have things moving along swifter when uh, you know Donald Trump uh, can get back to the White House, which is what I want to ask you next. 100% you think he's going to be running again in, in 2024? Yes. Yay. See how fast I answered that question yes. with one yeah. word. <laughs> Not a doubt in your mind, huh? <laughs> he can't tease it yes. anymore at his rallies, he huh? He is going to run again. Yes. Yay. Yes. And that's why, you know, he learned a lot during the, you know, uh, during the first administration, during the first run. Look, he was a businessman. He didn't realize how deep the swamp was. And frankly, none of us knew how deep the swamp was. Right. I mean, we knew, I mean, you know, DC was corrupt. We know there's always the rhinos, but nobody really knew how deep the swamp was. President Trump shined the microscope on the swamp and we all went, woo. Uh, nobody knew how bad it was. And what he did not realize, obviously he came in as a businessman. He didn't realize you need to come in and clean house, yeah. get everybody that was appointed by Obama out. He didn't think that way. He didn't think like a politician. He thought like a businessman. He didn't even think how the rhinos in Congress, I mean, look, we had the House, we had the Senate, and we had the presidency. They could have done so much, but they didn't do that because the Republicans have the disease to please, and they do not want to offend the Democrats. And they were already embarrassed that, that Trump won. A lot of them did not 
think that Trump was going to win. I mean, remember, even the Republican Party was against him the first time around. Yep. Um, nobody thought he's going to win. Um, and so he learned a lot of lessons during the first four years. Um, and I think he's going to do something, things completely differently if and when he wins the second time. Um, but again, the most important thing, we've got to clean, uh, we've got to work on securing our election. Yes. Because if we do not secure our election, if we do not change all the corruption, all the shenanigans that happened in the last election, it doesn't matter who we put up. We can put up President Trump again. We can put up incredible candidates again. If we don't clean the voter rolls, if we do not make sure that we're going to stop the corruption, the lying, and the shenanigans and the games that they played last time, the Republicans will never win another election. And that's why I'm saying, for those of you who are listening to me right now or watching us on the internet, Go to actforamerica.org, actforamerica.org, and join us. Uh, we did not name the organization Think About America. We did not name the organization <laughs> Pray for America or Hope for America. You can pray, you can hope, you can think, but without acting for America, nothing happens. Go to actforamerica.org, sign up to get our emails, uh, start a chapter if there's no chapter in your community or join a chapter. If you don't have time to donate, to be uh, to be, be an activist stand with us financially we, every single person has to do something to make a difference even if it's a spare change together we can make a difference two percent of the passionate will always overrule the 98 percent indifferent we do not need to have 20 million people all we need is dedicated passionate activists to make a difference well said well, Brigitte, you're a New York Times bestseller. You've written some amazing books. Uh, can you tell us about your last book that you have out? Uh, yes, my last book is Rise, and the subtitle is In Defense of Judeo-Christian Values and Freedom. Mm. Because right now, Judeo-Christian values are the foundation of Western uh, civilization. They are the foundation of our republic. Uh, and right now, our values are under attack. Uh, when you teach children who are five years old, when you take a little boy and say, no, 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 you're not really a boy. You're actually a girl. And look, uh, you know, we can work with you. On, on, on making sure you go through the transition and identify as a girl and you don't have to tell your parents when we have this level of brainwashing happening in our schools I mean you talk about going against everything America stands for we are seeing the erosion and the, the deletion of our Judeo-Christian values in our school in our businesses in our culture um, you know lying for example you know uh, 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 you know how we used to say don't lie treat the uh, others the way you want to be treated. Where do you think those values come from? These are Judeo-Christian values that are found in the Bible. Even atheists who have never read the Bible, they, they tell their children, now, Johnny, don't tell a lie. Yep. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Except today, in today's America, lying is promoted as something wonderful. You can lie. I mean, we have the precedent set by the president, his son, his family, our vice president, a whole Democratic Party in this country. You can lie. You can cheat. You can steal. You can destroy property. You can burn in the name of Antifa, Black Lives Matter, whatever you call it. Everything is justifies, justified as long as it serves the end goal. Whatever happened to integrity? honesty, truth, good values, treating others with respect. Uh, we need to get back to that. So my book 
is not religious. I want to make that very clear. This book is totally secular book, but talks about the foundation of Western civilization and what made Western civilization great and talks about the foundation of the United States. And what makes my book so different than other books that just educate is, you know, I'm all about action. I not only talk about the issues, if I don't provide solutions, it doesn't matter. Look, we have information going out of our ears. We're not lacking information. We are lacking what to do with the information. A lot of people tell me, Brigitte, I am so informed, my brain is about to explode, but I do not know what to do. So with my book, I not only educate, but in every chapter, at the end of every chapter, I have a section titled Rise Up and Act. And I give three things you can do in 10 minutes that you can make a difference for the country on this specific topic, whether it's about immigration, whether it's about our education, whether it's about indoctrinating our students, mm -hmm. whether it's about the internet war, the war of ideas and how you can fight back. So that's what the book is all about. I encourage people to get it. Uh, they can get it uh, from our website, actforamerica.org. They can also go to my private website, brigittegabrielle.com and order the book or they can get it from Amazon. But don't give the money to Amazon. Yeah. Get it from <laughs> actforamerica.org or Brigitte Gabrielle. At least you get a tax deduction. There you go. And we're gonna... and you'll be able to support the cause while being educated at the same time. Which is the most important part. Right. That's right. <laughs> Brigitte, we, we had such a great time sitting down with you today. You know, we watched you on TV for years. We started this show about two years ago. And as our guests have ramped up, we shot our shot and reached out and, and you surely just didn't disappoint. You brought so much fire and we could just tell by your voice how much, you know, you understand obviously what it, what it was to come to this country and let this country, you know, welcome you in. And now, you know, you love it so much and you're doing everything to defend it. It's, it's just, it's soul and it's essence. It's not even about just the integrity of elections. It's so much other thing, you know, the, the values of families, the values of safety and yeah. uh, you know, being against crime and then obviously domestic and foreign defense. So, we would love to have you back at some time down the road, and uh, we're going to live link everything that, you know, you want to direct our listenership today in addition to your social medias. You want to, I know you've really reiterated on, on the website, but let's hit them one more time so we can get them up there, and uh, we'll live link them in the show description today, start getting more traffic your way. Oh, wonderful. Please go to actforamerica.org, A-C-T-F-O-R, america.org, and join us. I cannot emphasize that anymore. It's all about action. It's not about talking. It's about doing. We don't need any more information. You can go to Google, type in the word, whatever. Antifa gets 60,000 pages. We're not lacking information. We are lacking what to do with the information to make a difference. And that's what we give you at Act for America. We empower you. We mobilize you. We encourage you. We lift you up. We organize you. We connect you with our act with other activists in your community. So together we can make a difference. Go to actforamerica.org. Sign up, take action now. Click on take action. Take action on our action alerts. Sign up to get our emails, start a group in your community, or if you already have a group, register your group with us. And if nothing, if you cannot do any of the above, stand with us financially. If you don't have the time to devote to becoming engaged, at least support those of us who are fighting on the front line to make a difference. Go to actforamerica.org and support us, and I would be most grateful. Thank you so much. Oh, thank, thank you. you. And, and we'd be looking forward to having you back at some point in the future. This is the National Security Analyst and New York Times bestselling author, also the chairman of actforamerica.org, Brigitte Gabriel. Thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you, Noah and Antoinette. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me with you. Bye-bye.
So what do you guys think of uh, Bridget Gabriel? Nice. Pretty fired up. Yeah, it's she's like great. Fired up is like probably the most mellow way you could describe her. Mm. She's been like that since <clears throat> I've followed her for years. She's not losing steam. Internet, you were gushing a little bit. You really like her. I was. I'm a, I was fangirling. I never really fangirl anyone, but she's one of those people. Definitely. She's incredible. I'm going to tell Cash Patel you don't fangirl for her. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I love Cash. You already know that. And, I, and Amanda Milius. Them two are gangsta. Okay, are you teasing our uh, April Fool's Day edition of Steak for Breakfast with both of them in the same segment? If y'all listening. Mm-hmm. My hair's turning grayer by the second. Don't, don't, not, <laughs> don't not show up. Well, I told her that Cash was coming and Erica was going to make her stick to her and she hearted it. So we'll see what happens. Amanda, you better come. Where have I heard that before? Oh, yeah. There was a Trump rally this weekend. Ooh. South Carolina. Ooh. It was a rockin'. I haven't watched it. I was so busy this weekend, but well, I'm going to talk with you guys. You're going to get the steak and potatoes version of it right so now. So if this rally's rockin', election integrity's knockin'. Mm. Don't tell Dominion voting machines that. Goo. We've all perfectly segued into our pregame. Mike Lindell opened up for uh, the president. And He's a good steak for 66% off. He's pretty fired up. We've got two tracks going out to make it to get a whole new platform for, for voting and have the best elections ever and then to have the best candidates ever. Our great president Donald Trump is going around endorsing and bringing these candidates. He knows what you need because he knows what we need. We need people that are going to make a decision that's going to help people, all people. I think we all see what's going on right now and all the bad things going on right now and everything that's going is actually helping us. I know it's hard to see at the time, but people are seeing the light. They're going, wow, this is this doesn't make sense. And more and more evil's revealing itself. So we are in the greatest revival in history. We're in a great place, and everybody keep the faith. It's gonna be amazing. God bless you all. No, he's not wrong. Not and we've all. we've actually touched on that exact point where, you know, it sucks that all this is happening, but without all this happening the awareness level of the general sheeple I like it. would not be where it is now. Yeah, they wouldn't. They, I mean, so many people woke up just from the 2020 election, you know, even people like, you know, MAGA people were, were not really, didn't really know how bad things were. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you'll, you know, I started throwing a couple of little spicy things on my uh, personal uh, social medias. And- you mentioned that. You know, besides losing a few followers, there's been other people that are, you know, they'll message me on the sly and be like, you know, it's it's just nice to know that I have some more friends that are thinking rationally and critically. Are you? Uh, I'm like, that's what I was gonna say. I'm gonna go on the wayback machine real quick. Mm-hmm. You body bagging anybody in the comment section? Ooh, no. <laughs> well, yes, actually, not in the comment section. Privately. Oh, good. I only do private body bagging. Mm. Respectfully. There you go. Well, I said with all due respect, which makes it fine. It's the Geneva Convention. <laughs> Time for the main event. Ooh. Donald Trump took the stage on a frosty night in South Carolina. They were getting hit with some kind of weather. I don't even know what was going on. I know it's getting pretty close to April, and I was seeing on the Internet the other day that uh, where I used to live in New Jersey, which is not really a stone's throw away from Southern California where I reside now, was getting hit with several feet of snow. 
Nice. No, not nice. Just, Recently? Yeah, this, this past weekend and, and whatever part of that weird winter weather that hit the East Coast. Hitting the slopes in the Jersey Shore? It was freezing in South Carolina. And uh, Donald Trump was complaining about it the entire rally. <laughs> but it doesn't change the fact that he brought some new material uh, and was pretty fired up heading in. Let's jump right into it now. Uh, our election was rigged and we can never let this happen again and we will continue to go forward but we will also never ever forget what happened and we continue to look at this fraud and things are happening on a daily basis like nobody would believe it was a fraudulent election and the proof is beyond anybody's wildest expectation (laughs) We are just eight months away from what could be the most important midterm election in American history. Our country is at stake and we need a landslide so big that the radical Democrats cannot rig or steal the election. Very much like the landslide we had. Nice swing you have. He's going, (laughs) are you a golfer? What's your handicap? Uh, That's a nice looking swing. I'm proud of you. Very much like the landslide that we had in your state in South Carolina, very much. So to every patriot here today, I ask you to get ready to work, get ready to fight, get ready to win. And we're going to win like never before. We're going to win like never before. This is the year we are going to take back the House. We are going to take back the Senate and we are going to take back America. And in 2024, we are going to take back that beautiful, beautiful White House. (laughs) I wonder who will do that. I wonder. I wonder. Well, I know I, I teased in with some new material and then he immediately goes back to old reliable. Yeah. But that's good. And, yeah. uh, you know, definitely I like I like to hear the fact that, you know, we're, we're looking forward and uh, but we will not forget what's, you know, happened in the past. Yeah, of course. not. I mean, I, th- I think he has to say it at this point just because people are getting really frustrated and losing hope, too. Yes. So it's, and then at the same time, yeah, 2024. But anything can happen before then as well. And we all know that. You oh, know? Absolutely. So, well, we shall see. Now we're going to jump into some new material. And he was talking about some of the things that we've been able to clearly see over the last year and a half and how important it is to uh, think about those things moving forward, especially with a lot of the America First agenda that's being incorporated into the midterm elections. Let's hear it. One of the most important lessons of the past two years is that to be a strong nation, America must also be a manufacturing nation. We have to bring back our manufacturing. We cannot count on China or any other country to give us our critical products. And we cannot have our vital supply chains. Who ever heard of this? You can't get anything. The stores are half empty. We have a supply chain. Nobody ever even talked about this. And this all came out of the stench of the Biden administration. <laughs> Stretches all over the globe. Under a Republican Congress, we should pass historic legislation and powerful tariffs to bring our essential industries back home. No, how do you feel about the stench of the Biden administration encircling the globe? He's <laughs> um, not wrong. <laughs> Would you say it's a lethal cloud of radioactivity mm. that circles the earth for 
hopefully not that many more years. Stop teasing the end of the show <laughs> outro. But I do think President Trump was referring to the over $55 billion that we invest in China on a monthly basis in regards to the goods we receive from them. Pretty, uh, pretty tough to stare that one in the face, especially mm-hmm. when they're cuddling up to Russia right now. I think uh, manufacturing independence is definitely something we have to look into moving forward. It, it's, it's more important than, than a lot of the other things, probably second only to energy independence. Yeah, so during that conversation where I was quote unquote body bagging people in the, the private messages. Okay. This person actually literally tried to tell me that we we are almost energy independent. What? I was just like, excuse me? <laughs> and what? I wanted and I didn't have time to get into it. Yeah. Um basically it was me saying that Biden's doing a terrible job, putting us in a dangerous position, yada, yada, yada. So if you can't tell me that you think this guy's doing a good job, to which the person immediately deflected to, well, Trump, blah, 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 Trump, Trump, Trump. Trump what? Like well, Just, and you know, oh, Trump helping out his cronies and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, you're yeah, but you're what cronies? Can you name them? Yeah, why, why are we changing the subject? And then he's like, all right, well, name two things that you, uh, two, two executive orders or two things that you disagree with. And I'm like, I get a whole wheelbarrow full. I'm what like, the hell? Uh, what, for Biden? <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, all right, you know, I, I brought up uh, Project Talent again. Mm-hmm. And of course, he yeah. probably just went to Google and said, you know, Biden's not responsible for canceling Project Talent. And then he got oh, like who a, is uh, then? Yeah, no, yeah. but he got like a, uh, uh, one of those uh, Reuters, I think it was. And he's mm. like, well, Reuters has a, Trust has users. a pretty a pretty pretty good. They have a lot of they have credibility, and I was just like, okay, I don't know. I gotta go. To, I, I'm done. This conversation. I got a thing. I have, I I have just something to do. People. It's hilarious because at this point, like, how do you not know? Like, just even a little bit. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's still tedious, in my opinion. Well, That's it's all. if you just can't concede just the point. That this person is getting us in, he's an empty suit, Mm -hmm. he's getting us into a cataclysmic failure in global geopolitics or whatever you want to call it. We're about to be 0-2 in biggies. Yeah, and if the Taiwan thing gets away from us, we are no longer the superpower. And then the, that's the thing, like, who cares? It has, this has not, okay. So like, I don't know why they always have to bring up Trump. We're not even talking about, we're not even trying to compare them. Like, let's say you're having this conversation with this person. You like, you're like asking them, don't you admit, like, can't you see like, wow, Biden's doing a really fucked up job. Like, no, Trump. It's like, that's not okay. Who's supposed to be in office well, right he's now? living rent free in everybody's heads mm. still. Constantly. It, it's unbelievable. And then I was going to get into like the semiconductors. And yeah. all the chips, chips and, and all processors. that stuff. It's like, yeah, so, was it semiconductors? Am mm-hmm. I using that right? Yeah. Uh, what, 66% or something like that is from there. And we make like maybe less than 12%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it was to the point where we wouldn't even be able to make missiles here. Right. I think was at one point and, and they realized that that was a devastatingly scary, scary thing to do. And then that, I think that's why we started producing again, but yeah, it's just, if you cannot concede that things that, are not so good. And it's like, yeah, we've, we've said stuff that we didn't agree with with Trump. And we've yeah. said that, you know, there's things that he didn't really tackle 
head on or properly or whatever you want to call it. But that's the thing. It's like, this is the prime example of during the Trump era presidency and his policies, everybody on that side was just actively rooting for failure, even if that meant our country failed. Mm-hmm. And us... Yeah, it's like we, sinking our ship. We're not know? rooting for the country to fail. Like, I don't want our president to be weak. I don't want Joe Biden to fail, but he is failing. Big and I'm fucking pointing it out. Yeah. Yeah, and all we want is for people to acknowledge that and understand, like, the difference of what we have versus what we have now. And, it, I mean whether it was Trump or somebody else that was a good president, you know what I mean? People are, it's just crazy. It's mind blowing because regardless if it's Biden or Trump, even if you could, obviously there's a difference. Well, it was a whole, it was a whole just. I'm rooting for people waking up and realizing, Hey, look at how good we had it. That's what I'm rooting for. And then, you know, for the occasional rubbing it in your face, sort of, I told you so sometimes, but I mean, at the end of the day, I'm rooting for our country, just like you guys are. And I'm rooting for people waking up and saying, Hey, look at, look at what we had as opposed to what we have now and what's coming down the road. If it continues. Yeah. The, the whole orange man, bad mass psychosis. Yeah. Propaganda brainwashing, whatever we want to call it, where, people would set aside logic over mm-hmm. I just can't support this person no matter what, like no matter what the benefit was, all the huge things he did for the black community that, you know, everybody was shouting these racist. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I could go on all the demographics of unemployment at all time low and, and all the demographics of people off of welfare for the first time since like the sixties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and that's just getting things. Started. And now we're importing people to be on welfare. Yeah, it's a free-for-all visa. I mean, we heard it last week from from the horse's mouth, Alejandro Mayorkas teasing that people coming in on, on guest and, and, and worker permits will now have pathways to U.S. citizenship. Unprecedented. Wow, dude, Sca- are you serious? I mean, that's a, that, that's a big uh, misconception that people don't understand. A lot of those workers do come in and try to impregnate the first thing that they date. Henceforth, yeah. making a pathway to citizenship easier, however, it's at the same time when when the actual agencies who's supposed to be upholding visa integrity is actually throwing it in the garbage can and lighting it on fire. Holy shit. Yeah. It makes it very, very scary scenario for, I just don't get how anybody can think that these policies are beneficial to the country. It's like, yeah, yeah, I want people to be able to come here, but we need to have a say in how many of them, who and when, mm-hmm. and are they adding to this country? Are they criminals? You know, yeah. just, and, and that's one of the things that they always bring up. It's like, oh, Trump calls them all criminals and blah, blah, blah. And well, a if lot you, of them are. Most well, yeah. of them are that are coming across the border are connected to criminals mm-hmm. or criminals are smuggling them over. And well, there's not people the best, brightest either. Yeah, there's people actively breaking the law to come in, even if they're breaking the law just yeah. in the in the process Fine. of their asylum claim or whatever. But that Fine. was one of the things that the other side would always bring up. Like, oh, it's racist because you're saying that all of them are racist and or all, or all of them are criminals and drug dealers and well, blah, no, blah, look blah. at all the people that have come in on those border states and how much crime has increased by hundreds of what two, three hundred percent, like or more in some places. I mean, clearly there's something going on. They're not the most upstanding citizens in the majority, in my opinion. Yeah, and a lot of these people, you know, are low wage workers that don't really have an education mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And they have a completely different culture. They come to America. They, the culture is different where they come from too. Like a lot of these people, you know, are rapists and pedophiles. Mm -hmm. Just because it's interwoven into their actual culture in their countries. 
Yeah, I guess yeah, my I guess my point is more that a rational person would realize that somebody making a comment like that is not broad strokes saying that every single person that comes from these countries is like that. And obviously no, we're not. Not, not at yeah. all. But like look at like what Brigitte was saying. She's like one of those perfect examples of like an upstanding citizen that has, you know, great intentions, you know, while coming in this country. Yeah. A lot of these people are economic migrants. They know exactly how the system works. They're taking full advantage of it. And a lot of them work with the cartels. Yeah, these criminal like, organizations are taking advantage of them. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, a lot of those people that are being taken advantage of aren't the best people because who sends their children with plan B and strangers to cross into the border? Yeah. You, you know, and it's like, okay, we're trying not to give them incentive to send these children with these criminals and rapists and pedophiles, which means we're trying to help these people and these these innocent children, you know, and we're bad. Yeah. We're racist, you know, it's disgusting. I saw on the news there was a subject who crossed over and was interdicted in uh, Del Rio, Texas over the weekend. He was a previously deported, thrice times, aggravated felon who was convicted of child rape. And he, huh. he was he was apprehended by one of the agencies operating out there. Oh, let me guess. They didn't turn him over to ICE. With an 11-year-old girl who wasn't his child. Stop it. And they, and they didn't Stop turn him over? It. I mean, I didn't read too much into it after yeah. that because I was greatly <clears throat> sickened by it. But you know, those are some of the winners coming over right now. I also heard that the uh, over-under for the first round of Ukrainian and Ukrainian-Russian refugees, which is a thing, uh, is at $1.5 million. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you know how many children are being taken, too, mm-hmm. with their parents crying? Kids that have parents. Think of Haiti, you know, like Laura Selsby sort of situation, stealing right. children of, you know, that do have parents. This is the kind of shit that happens when, and like, you know, obviously in war, these people make money in all sorts of ways, but they oh, also yeah. take big business. Yeah, big business and, and human child sex trafficking when these things happen as well. So. Yeah, when you get when you get the people who are in charge of making sure that this is a safe and orderly and legal process mm. burnt out to the point where they can't even do their job mm-hmm. and they can't even really just keep their heads above water long enough to care, then you're really entering a dangerous thing. And then well, they're sending our they're sending our own border patrol, they you know, offering to send them to Europe to process refugees. How how the hell does that make sense? How does that make sense when our own border, like we don't have enough at our own border makes and we're sense. being invaded. Yeah. So what they're doing, clearly it's obvious. They want to keep removing sources, resources at our border to keep, get it completely open so we can be completely invaded, you know, and distract, you know, and send our people somewhere else where, you know, I'm sorry to say I do care about people, you know, in other countries getting hurt and whatnot and, you know, being in bad situations, but I care about my country more. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, fuck them kids. (laughs) I mean, I can, I I can see for them. I pray for all these children everywhere, all over the world, because children everywhere are being taken advantage of, even in our own country. Yes. No, but I I have to say, and I, I know it's, messed up but i care about my country more 100 percent. my parents came here with nothing to build us an incredible life and i care about my children's future i don't want it being turned into a third world country i want to know that you know in their future and their kids 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 are going to have a free america that is not commie you know with judeo-christian values and it's safe and still middle class yeah exactly and we'll get into that later donald trump 
throughout the course of his presidency, he turned out to be right on several things. We've touched on everything, just about all of them in this conversation we're having right now. Well, let's hear him reiterate his own facts. I've made a lot of good predictions and now saying <laughs> Trump was right. I was right on the border. I was right on the pipeline. I was right on Germany. I said to Angela Merkel, I said, Angela, I'm sending you the white flag. She said, but why are you sending me the white flag? I said, it's called the flag of surrender because you're getting your energy from Russia and it's not good. Now, nobody knew it would happen this quickly, but who would have thought to think that I shut the pipeline down and they opened it up immediately. It's just unthinkable. Mm-hmm. And I'm- unthinkable to say the least. Yep. And everybody's kind of feeling that one right now. Yep. What do you guys think uh, his commentary would lead into when he wanted to talk about this current conflict that's going on in Ukraine? You know, we had uh, legacy media hit pieces going on. We played two clips in our first segment from CNN and MSNBC, two of the biggest proprietors of fake news, still talking about impeachment volume two and uh, the things that Joe Biden did to the Ukrainian government, except replacing the words Joe Biden with Donald Trump. <laughs> they're, they're not bringing up Hunter Biden very much, are they? Who's that? Mm-hmm. Never heard of him. I feel like... I haven't seen him on CNN or anywhere else. CBS, no. Yeah, it was a, he's an art dealer. Are you talking about Donald Trump Jr. or Eric? <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. They're both horrible, I heard. What? what? Is one of them a crackhead? Mm, maybe. I know one of them big game hunts. Kind of base. He likes big girls? How dare you talk about Kimberly, Kimberly <laughs> Guilfoyle that way. She's actually, she's actually very attractive. Yeah. He did jump into the Ukraine conflict and that. Let's, oh. let's hear him getting in there. Yeah, exactly. Scratch Despite that Despite all of Biden's weakness, cowardice, and incompetence, there is still a path for him to end this tragedy in Ukraine without getting Americans snared in a gruesome and very bloody war, a bloody war. This could lead, war. by the way, this could lead to World War III. I see what's happening. Because if you think Putin's going to stop, it's going to get worse and worse. He's not going to accept it. And we don't have anybody to talk to him. You had somebody to talk to him with me. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, pretty sure Putin wasn't letting uh, Trump's calls go to voicemail. I mean, even Trevor Noah, I don't know if you have that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, he actually Pretty solid Trump impersonation. Yeah, I was so surprised. But he's coming out talking shit and admitting that uh, Trump's phone calls would never go unanswered. Yeah, No, that was absolutely the case. And uh, a lot of people think it was because of his personality, especially the one he, you know, um, admitted when he was around Putin. Yeah, just remember the handshake, the video that's going around social media right now. That kind of set the tone for their whole relationship. And it was all smiles after that. Yeah, exactly. Because... You know, bros respect bros, you know, but it's funny hearing somebody like Trevor Noah, for example, that is admitting that being a tough guy is a good thing. Well, being unpredictable. Well, that too, of course, that goes with it, but mean tweets. Let's hear, let's hear both. Under my leadership, America was feared by our enemies and we were respected by all the fake news. They are fake. The fake news said my... CNN sucks. You know, when I first started in politics, I have to say that they had a very high 
approval rating. Now they have an approval rating that's lower than Congress. Isn't that nice? So we got the point across. The fake news said my personality would get us into a war. I'm telling you, that guy's going to get us into a war. But actually, my personality is what kept us out of war. (laughs) Yep. I was the only president in nearly four decades who did not get America into any new conflicts. Instead, I brought our troops and our wonderful children back home. I brought them back home where they belong. Mm. Definitely like the hearing the sound of that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and then, again, looking for how uh, that's wrong or misinformation. And don't worry, he wouldn't be able to uh, touch on these conflicts without touching on general pronouns a little bit. (laughs) We have to get political correctness out of our military. The woke generals should be fired immediately. We want our generals to think about winning wars, not to teach pronouns. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. It is like brutal. We've talked about it at extent with several it, people who have been on the show who have been have to sit through that training. Some stone cold killers too. <laughs> we did a touch again on some of the dark forces inhabiting our government right now. Before segueing to little bit of new material regarding the uh the lizard people overall mental health of joseph robinette is the middle name robinette for real biden yeah so weird right junior <laughs> let's hear him talk shit about the socialists and democrats first junior listen here jack If you want chaos, if you want crime, if you want carnage, you must immediately vote for radical Democrats because they will give it to you. That's what they're doing. Look at every city that's run by the Democrats. If you want safety, security and strength, vote for America first Republicans this November. But before we can defeat the Democrats, socialists and communists at the ballot box this fall, we first have to defeat the rhinos and grandstanders in the primaries earlier this year. The rhinos, those rhinos are no good. I don't know. In many ways, they're as bad as the Democrats and True. sometimes worse. We got plenty of rhinos in the party, but I must say far fewer than we had four or five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> How do you not like this guy? How, I know. How is it possible? I mean, well, probably because you're only listening to the clips that your uh, daily dose of propaganda. But I have no, I have noticed now because you know Biden being the disaster that he is has woke a lot of people up, and they're actually now actively searching for things about Trump. You know, the mainstream, like you know, I I think I mentioned it before. You know the, the. the account on Twitter that reposts all his tweets from the mm-hmm. past. There are so many people on there like, holy shit, I cannot believe I missed all this stuff. I can't believe this guy. Like, he's so funny. Like, I don't know. They're, and like, I feel so guilty laughing at this. It's so good. Like, there's yeah. so many people. And I'm like, this is great, actually. <laughs> yeah, you, were, you were too busy removing statues and uh, 
yep. laser beaming the eyes of police officers in the summer of 2020 to have to uh, remember mm-hmm. any of Donald Trump's base tweets. Mm-hmm. Last clip of the uh, rally, and it was a good one, fairly large audience there. You could hear from some of the cheers. Bigly. Yeah, to say the least. He did uh, talk about the physically and mentally challenged state of our current occupier of the Oval Office, much to uh, the rally's approval. Biden failed to deter Russia's outrageous invasion of Ukraine. You could take the five worst presidents in American history and put them together and they would not have done the damage Joe Biden has done in just 13 months. We have a president representing our country at the most important time in history who is physically and mentally challenged. (laughs) (laughs) And he would go on to, you know, we will never give in. We will never give up. We play it quite often, but I couldn't get a clean enough clip of it. Yeah. He's just so good at roasting. He's uh, picking up a little bit of steam as we're getting closer and closer to the midterm elections right now. You know, we've got some more primaries coming up in April, and and that'll be like a downhill slalom all the way up through July when there's a lot of them. And then, of course, the generals coming in November. Uh, Not general pronouns, general elections. (laughs) Noah's a big fan of general pronouns. No. How dare you? Literally fucking up my life. I'm going to give it like a... you could tell the weather was, was a factor, much like it was in, in the Arizona one when it was extremely windy. It was very cold there. Uh, 7.9. I, I think he was kind of putting some new material together, but he kept bouncing around a little bit. It wasn't as smooth as uh, the Texas one, which I thought was was extremely solid. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's like one of those things right now. His, his job was to get out there and, and get ahead of – there was two America First candidates there. He was uh, rallying for, namely, Arrington, who's running against Nancy Mace. And and we're going to try and get her on here very soon with us. And, uh, you know, we're just going to have to keep checking an eye on it and seeing what he's doing. I think he's already announced another rally. I can't remember off the top of my head where it is, but it's coming on the 26th of this month already. The next rally? Yeah. They usually tease it like day of, and I saw like the commercial for it on Right Side Broadcasting. Um, But uh, which I wasn't watching. I was watching OAN. Consequently, Miss Christina Bob, Antoinette, I don't know if, if we told you, me, no, we're talking about it before. So, friend of the show and guest next week with us, reoccurring friend, Christina Bob, formerly now of OAN. Formerly? Oh, yeah, her last two jobs with the station, consequently, were going down to Mar-a-Lago for a one-on-one interview with Donald Trump, which aired over the weekend. It was great. And then yeah. covering the rally on Saturday night. Um, it was at some point between A and B of what I just mentioned that Donald Trump asked her to join the Save America campaign, and she will be in context as a uh, senior litigation lawyer with Save what? America. So she's back on the wagon already. Amazing. Congrats. Congrats, Christina. Yeah, part of part of the equation that went into the success we had in 2016 now is go- already starting to, you know, flock back. We already seen people like Cash and Rick Grinnell and, you know, they're all getting around these uh, Matt Whitaker starting to get involved. And, and you know, we see uh, a lot of these events being hosted by people like, uh, you know, Gavin Wax and Vishburr are getting all these people in here like Raheem and Amanda Milius to support these America First candidates. So we're, we're, we're seeing good things, really good things. Awesome. And, and speaking of, of Trump endorsements in the midterm elections, as we're going to segue now to bring in the gubernatorial candidate out of Maryland, who's heavily Trump endorsed, Mr. Dan Cox, we'll let him into the chat. All right, joining us on the show next, 
He's a Maryland state delegate representing District 4. He's also a Trump-endorsed candidate, currently running for the governor of the same state. Mr. Dan Cox, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Uh, it's my privilege, Ron. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure, sir. How's everything going on your end? You know, fantastic. We are running to restore freedom to Maryland. Um, there's a strong groundswell, as I'm sure you're aware of and seen, that uh, is continuing to carry forward the America First agenda on issues that matter to everyday Marylanders and, and Americans. And, you know, we have seen the last two years unprecedented assaults. Everybody talks about unprecedented actions of the pandemic. Well, there's there's been unprecedented assaults on our liberty. And, you know, as America First Republicans, we believe strongly in upholding our constitutional values. And so that's what I'm running to do to make that happen in Maryland. Because as you know, um, our governor here, sadly, uh, decided to take the Democrats' position and go uh, wildly against uh, our great President Trump. And uh, not only did that in a personal vendetta way, but actually uh, decided to try to purge the Republican Party of, of Trump supporters and of the America First agenda, going so far as even to call for the elimination of uh, pro-lifers and people who believe in our secure borders. And you know, sadly, we're one of three states flying in unvetted illegal aliens in, in a catch and release program right here in Maryland. So we're working hard to uh, change that and we're going to win. We're going to work hard to make sure we win because our freedom depends on it. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty interesting to watch some of the stuff going on in Maryland over the last couple of years. And it's, uh, you know, to the average patriot, it's got to be very confusing to see such a great state like that take a take a downturn based off of bad politics. That's right. Well, you know, you are run you are currently, you know, serving in the state house over there in Maryland. What were some of the uh, contributing factors that said, you know what, it's probably time to turn it up a notch and uh, throw your name in the ring for uh, governorship of the state? Well, as you know, the uh, the wonderful presidency that we had under President Trump uh, was making incredible strides forward in our domestic and foreign policies, but particularly our states were on the rebound. Gasoline was at a dollar sixty or dollar seventy a gallon here in Maryland, and uh, we were doing very well with our business. Um, but unfortunately, uh, some of the entities uh, with the governor's administration here in Maryland decided to join in with the Biden and the radical left uh, efforts to unseat the president through the National Governors Association, uh, using really misusing the um, the COVID crisis and turning it into a vendetta against Marylanders, uh, ordering for the first time in 400 years that we lock our doors of the church house and of the food pantries that we're serving people, while at the same time, you could go down the street to the Walmart and you could, uh, you know, be with 500 people there, but you couldn't uh, open your own small mom and pop business and uh, feed your own family. And that's unprecedented in our Maryland history. And that really uh, caused me to see that there was a need for proper leadership in our Republican Party here in Maryland. Uh, so I stepped up um, on, you know, was very not interested in having to do so, but we uh, we took an oath to the Constitution. We took an oath to the Constitution of Maryland. And we decided, uh, you know, as a um, as a, as a state delegate, I had to speak up. And so I began to do that. And next thing you know, you know, we're in the midst of a, um, a clear uh, opportunity to try to re-establish our freedoms here in Maryland because many people in our party rallied behind me. And it, after months of, of uh, requests that I run, um, I decided that since no one else um, had stepped up to make sure that this was the case for Maryland, 
that we re reestablish our freedoms that um, that I needed to do that. So that's why we decided to run. That's why we're in the race. And as you know, Roan, um, governors and executives uh, have demonstrated over the last two years the incredible uh, federalist powers that they have um, or that they believe they have. And many have misused, but we have a different path for great governors like Christy Nome, like yes. Governor DeSantis. Uh, these great governors of the Republican Party have demonstrated a better path, a path of freedom, a path of ensuring that our Constitution is upheld. And that's the path for Maryland. I mean, we look at Maryland, our tax rate's the worst in the nation. If you want to retire here, uh, we're literally 50th to retire in. Um, we're one of the worst tax brackets in the nation. We can change that. Um, Florida has done it. Florida's done a fantastic job at making sure their taxes are low. They have zero income tax there. And their business and corporate uh, tax rates are so low that they attract quite a bit of business. And it's just an entirely different economy in Florida, not too far from, you know, south from our borders. And yet here in Maryland, we're literally losing about uh, 20 to 30,000 people and businesses a year out of Maryland, just uh, rushing out of the state because of these bad policies. And so as Republicans, we can demonstrate that there's a better path. And I decided to do that. Sure. I mean, that's just kind of common sense, too. You want to be able to take care of the people who, you know, go and, uh, work for the entireties of their career there and want to stay in the state. That's a great state to live in as well. And then when you talk right. about, you know, reinvigorating the economy and stuff like that, there are, you've mentioned a couple of great governors there that have kind of laid out the models of just how simple it could be with some hard work, dedication, and, uh, you know, good support from the, uh, the state legislative there. So I definitely like to hear that. Um, America first policies. What are some of the big ones that you're uh, promoting as part of your campaign pillars right now as, as you're rolling out through your campaign? Well, you can go to coxforfreedom.com and I urge your listeners to check out our campaign there, coxforfreedom.com. And you'll see my five-point contract for Maryland freedom that I've set forth that demonstrates the America First agenda is a wide and attractive agenda for people of all party backgrounds and uh, politics because it ensures freedom for all, number one. It ends the mask and vaccine mandates on day one. Uh, it focuses on protecting our communities from violence by ending the catch and release program that we have here in Maryland and reestablishing our support for the uh, backing the blue in every aspect, not just throwing money at police departments, which we need, we need to double their pay. Uh, sadly, the average uh, deputy officer or um, police officer basic pay tends to be between 35 and 45,000 a year. That's outrageous for people who are literally putting their lives on the line. So we need to double the pay. But at the same time, we need to make sure we protect them uh, with uh, what's called quasi-immunity. They're literally trying to take away the immunity and expose even police officer families through Public Information Act requests uh, and records requests, which could be done by a criminal in jail, obtaining records from the personnel files of the officer and then publishing them on the internet to dox that officer. So I fought against this in committee. We stripped out all the uh, as much as we could with the attempt to take down, you know, and expose the families of cops. And um, unfortunately, some of the aspects of this defund the police bill got through. Um, so we're we're going to make sure that we end that on day one and protect our police and make sure that they have uh, absolute immunity, well, quasi immunity, so that um, their actions are not called into question every second. We. You know, we need them or else we're going to lose Maryland. And then, yeah. you know, we also need to ensure election integrity. I've had a great conversation with President Trump over this. He's called me twice and been so honored to have his endorsement. 
And when we when we chatted and talked, you know, one of the things and when he endorsed me, one of the things he, that he mentioned was that the top two issues that he's seeing across the country. And, and I shared with him that that's exactly the case here in Maryland for our Republican Party, especially as the fact that we have an open border catch and release system, number one and number two, that we have a completely un, uh, unvetted and unaccountable election in, uh, integrity system. There's no election integrity in every single state including Maryland. And I'll give you a quick example. In Maryland, we had, um, under the Obama election, we had a bump up from our normal 3% increase for general population voter roll increase, which is standard for Maryland. Uh, when, when President Obama ran, we got a 7% bump instead of a 3%. So, you know, we, you know, chalked that up. Well, he was somewhat popular, obviously. Um, so we got a, a bigger turnout in the Democratic ranks. Well, you know how much basement Biden got? With a mail-in ballot campaigning from his basement, uh, he had a 37% bump increase in his turnout. That's impossible. Yes. That's, that's not uh, statistically possible. And so we know that there was a fraudulent use of the mail-in system from other aspects as well, corroborating evidence of the failure to properly have affidavits on those envelopes and the uh, uh, inclusion of those all in the counting, even though they were falsified documents. The mules we had, there's a movie coming out called 2000 Mules. I urge everyone to see that this spring. We had them here in Maryland. They're going around house to house through the uh, the mail-in ballot process, you know, basically urging their friends, their people to hand over their ballots, helping them vote, and then collecting them by the thousands through that kind of intimidation block by block process. That has to end. We need to make sure that we secure our elections. And I, I'd like to go back and I would, am urging and will uh, do a, a, a total audit of the 2020 election, make sure we get secure control of these uh, electronic voting machines with ESNS. And I would also go back to, I would like to go back to uh, paper manual tabulation and, and auditing um, from a actual physical perspective, because uh, sadly our, our machines are not secure. They're uh, third party contracted in with badge swipes. So people that we don't even know, they're unsworn third-party agents, some of them not even Americans. They're, they're actually citizens of other countries that happen to be contracted and working for these uh, corporations that swipe in through a third-party contract, take control of the election packets that are being transferred to the elections department and, and those um, electronic files. And, and we have no way of verifying the chain of custody. So that chain of custody has to be uh, immediately protected. And then finally, school choice. We've got to protect um, our parents get back to parental rights and make sure we have school choice and options. We can change and make Baltimore City, for instance, safe again if we uh, make sure the parents have the right and the choice to take their kids and to have the money follow the child to make sure they can go to schools that aren't failing them. Right now in Baltimore City, 1%, 1% have a passage rate that uh, is up to their grade level. That's unacceptable. It's an outrage and we can do better. Yeah, you sure can. And some of those things you talked about are definitely some of the, you know, biggest issues affecting the country right now. I think the border has probably been one of the hottest topics since, you know, the Biden administration took over and kind of stripped down all of the Trump era policies that were uh, making it the most secure border of all time. I also think when you talk about the election stuff, we're very excited to see the Dinesh D'Souza uh, documentary. You know, we've had some great patriots on who are running for governors as well. uh, Carrie Lake and Doug Mastriano, namely, and they've kind of been at the tip of the spear with you as well in regards to um, making election integrity great again, but not yes. taking the time to just look forward. It's going back and getting a, 
you know, our brains wrapped around what exactly happened and where did we right. see these astrologically impossible numbers regarding Joe Biden and his apparent popularity uh, when it came right. to the 2020 presidential election. And then rebacking the blue, you know, there's been an assault on our police officers since the back end of the Barack Obama administration. And, uh, you know, it, the Joe Biden and, and everyone that was running at the time in 2020 took advantage of that. And we see them trying to start to walk back on it now. It's pretty funny. He'll go to the State of the Union and talk about refunding the police, but he won't talk about stripping down some of the things that you're fighting for, like protecting police officers' privacy and the privacy and safety of their families as well. They'll never mention that, but they'll keep those things and all of the proposed legislation they do to kind of hurt our men and women in blue who go out there and risk their lives every day. So it's really great to see you break down some of those uh, and topics and making them some of the biggest uh, pillars of your campaign. So we're yes, thank you. yeah, no problem. We're, we're seeing some um, big, big issues with the economy right now, having to do with uh, inflation and, and things of that nature. Um, aside from that, and, and I want to hear you kind of give your take on that too. What are some of the biggest issues facing the the blue collar men and women of Maryland? Well, sincerely, it's the inflation issue. We're literally being priced out of everything at the moment, and as you know, uh, gasoline prices are leading the way with an extreme burden for everyone. Uh, this is part of their great reset uh, Green New Deal plan. I mean, yeah. they're, they're openly talking about it here in Maryland, about uh, getting back to more telecommuting, to encouraging telecommuting, to getting away from uh, driving your vehicle and uh, even calling, as you know. Um, the, the, the worst thing I've ever heard um, really from a government official was from uh, what is but a judge the other day that said uh, basically the, um, uh, the old, uh, you know, have them eat cake uh, statement where he said, uh, let them buy electric cars. Uh, the worst thing you can tell a mom in my state that, that's making $35,000 a year. She's a single mom. I have many of these mama bears that are supporting me. I'm very grateful for that because they're sick and tired of what's going on in their schools and their curriculum. They're locking them down. We still have kids, you know, masked, uh, you know, during the day in the school day here, and it's an outrage. And so these are the moms that are fighting for freedom. They're working hard. They have uh, everything they can do to, to get through their job and to pay their bills. And then they hear that, uh, you know, their gas is doubling or tripling, uh, erasing their little uh, tiny bit of uh, savings they might have or budget that they might have to, um, you know, have a family life. And so then they're, they're told by this administration uh, that they need to go buy an electric car, it's an $80,000 investment when honestly, we're in a pretty progressive state here in Maryland, and there are no electric charging stations easily accessible. I mean, we have a few, but you have to drive and you have to go out of your way. It's very inconvenient if right. somebody wants to do that. And I, and I'm not saying that if somebody wants an electric car, great, that's the issue. That's their freedom, but to, to not address, um, you know, the, the urgency of the hour. So what I, I put some bills in to give an immediate tax holiday on the, uh, both the gas tax, as well as the sales tax, uh, the governor, the speaker of the house and the president of the Senate just agreed with me and granted an immediate tax holiday for gas tax uh, in Maryland, which will uh, save about 20, 25 dollars a, a fill up per uh, 15 to 25 dollars a fill up per uh, per person, um, which is an immediate uh, help. And I'm grateful for that, that they they saw the you know, the positive need for that right now, because we have one of the worst gas taxes in the nation. Um, however, it's just a 30 day and I, I've called for, you know, for the rest of the year to be that way until we can get this stable. Um, it's sadly true that our governor 
welcomed this president to the White House, this Biden administration. He was one of the first governors to welcome him. And the reason for that was he wanted the COVID money paid out. Um, and, you know, he also wanted to under, undercut the Trump administration, which he did. And the end result was, yes, Maryland became uh, we got somewhat of a windfall. We have seven billion dollars in surplus money right now because of some of those shenanigans with the Biden administration. Now, I think we should return that to the working class. That's our tax dollars. That's the you know, that's the money of the people. It should go back for an immediate protection against this inflation because we're all basically being priced out of everything. Yeah. So I think that's the number one issue right now on the financial side. That's a really good uh, point you make there and definitely would be a way to, hey, it all went into the, uh, you know, umbrella policy of relief and and things like that. So that's definitely something that uh, a lot of the middle class working men and women of Maryland need right now is some relief in the wallet with this inflation and the gas prices. I want to kind of stay in the same thread and touch on a couple of the national issues real quick as we're, as we're getting close to wrap here, Dan. Uh, the first one was, and we'll stay budgetary, we saw the omnibus bill pass uh, in the House and Senate last week, kind of a disappointment. We broke it down on, on last week's show and really got into the uh, fine print of some of the wasteful spending that was in there. You know, it was everything from uh, unrequested billions and billions of dollars of, of military equipment all the way down through funding Planned Parenthood and, uh, you know, sneaking things in there. They say they dropped a lot of the COVID relief in there, but they, they hid some of that stuff in there as well. And what do you think to see uh, you know, it, it, it's it's really important. I mean, the House and Senate are the ones who kind of take care of the federal budget, but it's at the kind of uh, request and the flow of the nation when it comes to the governors across the country of what they're looking for, what they need, what's going to be going on in their states. And uh, how do you feel to see things like this, you know, just continuously get passed? They say it's for the uh, sake of keeping the lights on in the government, but then when you start to see another $1.5 trillion, which when it's, when it's thrown up against this economy is over $3 trillion in a in just crazy spending. It's an, it really is an outrage. Um, and I agree with you. It's sad the way they passed that in the middle of the night, uh, shoving it through and, you know, using, I think some of the international issues going on right now to kind of be a cover where they didn't talk about what they were doing domestically and sneaking this through and putting all their pet projects in the horrific fact that they're funding abortions through Planned Parenthood. I mean, this is in, viol in my view, in violation of the Hyde amendment that they're, you know, obviously flaunting and, and um, trying to repeal. And I think, you know, we see that here in Maryland as well. I mean, the sad thing is we as Republicans need to stand up and fight. I'm glad to see some of our great Republicans speaking up against that. We got Rand Paul, we got, yeah. you know, Ted Cruz, we've got President Trump all bringing light to this uh, travesty. And I think that we as, you know, in the state races, uh, in the gubernatorial races, and those Republicans that have, uh, you know, access to the budgets of their states, um, uh, we need to make a difference and we can do that in Maryland. For instance, um, we could take some of this asinine spending that we're seeing in the federal level and we can turn it back to the people immediately. And our budget, we have almost a $60 billion budget in Maryland. And sadly, you know what our Republican governor just put in, who I'm, I'm running against his, uh, you know, his appointed um, replacement. Um, the, the next Rhino Hogan 2.0 is who I'm running yeah. against. And what they have done in this budget is a travesty. They put millions of dollars for abortion funding, okay, at a time when we should be sending that money back to the people to help them make sure that they can pay for their children, uh, buying them, you know, groceries, making sure they have an education and clothes on their back. We're instead handing it out to Planned Parenthood and all of these, um, you know, um, 
agencies that are that are lobbying for this money. For instance, uh, on the police side, we talked about that. They put in, in our budget here, they put in 500 million in, in addition for local police departments, which I support, but that's a pittance compared to what's needed, number one. Number two, at the same time they're doing that, they're flying in catch and release and they put in $1.2 billion in the budget, $1.2 billion more than last year, which is already at a $3.4 billion level in the Maryland budget to care for these emergency funds for people being brought in and, and released. And that's just unacceptable. This, that's our money. That's our tax dollars. And here we are not getting any relief at the pump uh, or in any other aspect of the inflation. So I think what we should do as governors, um, when I'm elected and as other GOP governors, we can take that Federalist principle that our founders gave us in the Constitution and push back against this wild and um, unacceptable and unaccountable spending by the Biden, Biden administration and say enough is enough. We're going to you know, take charge of this money that's coming to the states and we're going to start sending it back properly, basically almost uh, vetoing in a line item process what the feds are doing by the way that we handle our funds statewide. And we see this being successful in many states. We see Florida has an amazing control of their budget. We see Christy Nome just was uh, well in the, in the uh, careful range. I mean, she had a very big surplus. Yes. And they're not throwing dirty money out there like Maryland is doing. So that's what we need to do as Republicans. Yeah, it's definitely something that uh, when you just compare those monies for how much goes to lo local law enforcement, then the amount of crime that's getting imported in via those unvetted and unscreened and untested, uh, you know, refugees and asylum seekers getting dumped into the state. Uh, it, it's just, it baffles the mind. And, and it's. One and can of I tell you one more thing sure. about that? Um, so here in Maryland, um, we just received notices from this um, administration that property tax value uh, assessments are going up 34% this year. Mm. Okay. At a time when uh, inflation is killing the purse. So we're literally seeing our dollar, you know, nearly go down 30%. They're raising our tax by 34%. And so I have a bill in to stop that for seniors. But what I'd like to see, and what I will do as governor here, is to ensure that we take control of the Department of Taxations and Assessments um, analysis of that inflation, inflationary tax. We've got to stop this um, failure to address the, the general, the GDP and the economic value that's going on with the inflation and not calculate that in to the property tax value. And we can do that. The governor has influential authority in that department. He appoints the head and uh, his administration runs the department and we need to do that. And I think governors can do this all across the United States. Sadly, Maryland is one of those states that has a very high property tax, yes. very little relief. And uh, the Republicans seem to, to miss the boat sometimes, but we're doing what we can uh, in the GOP caucus here to reestablish the need for these tax cuts to say this is the Republican way. You know, the, the Trump tax cut, for instance, President Trump gave us an amazing tax cut in America. You recall the historic tax cuts. You know what Maryland did to that? It pocketed it in the general fund and not one of us in Maryland uh, saw that. So I would immediately release that to the people and send it back and I think that's going to make a big difference as we try to stabilize this, this economy going forward. Yeah, it's definitely one of the things that you could do to kind of put a stopgap in there and then get things going in the right direction. Dan, what's your hot take on uh, the, the conflict that's going on between Russia and Ukraine right now and how the Biden administration is handling it? Oh, you know, it breaks my heart to see some of the images, um, clearly war crimes and, and the sadness of these little children. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just proud of 
I'm proud of uh, anyone who stands up for their rights and their freedom. And I tell you, at a time when they're handing out AK-47s to defend the country, Ukraine, you know, for free, you know, handing out AK-47s here in in Maryland, they're trying to ban um, making your own, uh, you know, historic weapons. And that's just incredible. I mean, we're we're just seeing our, our rights being trampled on here in Maryland, but at the same time, um, you know, seeing the problems overseas. So I think the Biden administration is a is a total disaster when it comes to the look, it's a disaster everywhere. But this is a frightening disaster when we have, um, you know, cackling Kamala go on the world <laughs> stage, literally in front of the world um, with Biden claiming that we're on the edge of World War Three. Those were his words out of his mouth. And she's standing there with the president of Poland, our wonderful ally. And and she tries to dodge a question, pointing to him to answer a question to her, and he has to point back to her. And then she cackles and laughs and stumbles through and says that she's on the, the northern flank and then yeah. says, oh, wait a minute, excuse me, I'm on the eastern flank. She doesn't even know where she is in the world. This is a disaster and it should end immediately. Somebody needs to say enough is enough. We need to get back to a strong presidential leadership like President Trump. I mean, when I heard President Trump talk about this on Hannity the other night, it was fantastic. It was like, wow, common sense again in the world, real leadership again in the world. And, you know, one of the things he said was we got to stop saying that Russia is such a big nuclear power. The reason why Russia has been within its bounds and is because President Trump believed in America first and he knew that Putin believed in Russia first. And so they could say they could respect one another. And Putin did not try to go into Ukraine at that time. But now what we have is is really Biden goading him on to World War III. And that's not, an, that's not an overstatement. We see Biden almost every day talking about how Putin, you know, is a, uh, you know, a menace and, and has nukes and is, is going to cause World War III. Well, if you repeat the words World War III enough, uh, you just might stir that up in people's minds, and that's wrong. We need to dial it back and say, wait a minute. You know, if this breaks out in Latvia, for instance. Right. God forbid. Um, That's not World War III, Mr. Biden. I'm sorry. Absolutely not. We need to contain this. We need to make sure that people respect uh, each other's boundaries and stop the wars. Um, But we certainly don't need to escalate it the way the Biden administration is doing that. And fumbling the ball in the world stage is just a a total disaster. And he's playing right into the hands of of Vladimir Putin as well, because all this stuff is going on. And like you said, optically, it just looks bad from a leadership perspective on the United States end. You've got the highest uh, ranking members of the military, the State Department and the Department of Defense working hand in hand with the highest levels of the Russian government brokering the Iran deal 2.0 simultaneously while this is going on. I mean, you literally can't make this stuff up, Dan. It's just it, it's, it's an embarrassment. Um, it is an embarrassment. And, and I think it, the way back is we as Republicans need to. Uh, follow the the leadership of President Trump. He is actually leading on this issue right now more than anyone. And I'm impressed, as always. I knew he would, but he's stepped up to the plate. He's actually leading in a way that I think uh, could send some vibes over there to Putin to say, you better dial it back, brother. You know, not brother, but you know (laughs) what I mean? You better dial it back, Mr. Mr. Dictator here, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Because otherwise, um, President Trump is on the march. The Republicans won't stand for this. And you know, the way that um, this is being handled in our current administration is is so laughable that it's it's dangerous. It certainly is. And, and the only people it, it's affecting right now are the ones that are on the ground inside the Ukraine. Uh, the optics of all of our allies in the region who are confused by the way this administration has operated since day one. And then obviously 
it's definitely hurting the middle class and the uh, hardworking American families in the United States and in every aspect financially. So, Dan, last thing I wanted to touch on with you. So when President Trump ran in 2016, America first was an ideal. It was it was a theory. It was things that he built into his campaign platform that he eventually rolled out into one of the most. When you just talk about huge uh, items that he was able to accomplish, and and he was up against so much. It was first it was the the Clinton money machine, then it was his own party, and then for the last two years of his administration, it was the administrative state and the House uh, and Senate Democrats with the impeachment garbage and and all that other stuff. But he was able to get so much stuff done both here and abroad, and. Uh, America First has turned into something, I mean, I'm in my mid-40s. I think you're around the same age as me, maybe a little bit older. I've never seen anything like this before. The people who have come, it's cliche to say, but out of the woodworks, from retired military, small business owners, their former teachers, just people from all walks of life who said, I've absolutely had it. This is enough. America First does work. Here's why it works. And I'm getting in these races, you know, like you're running for governor, and then there's so many other across the country that we've had on this show from all walks of life, everybody from like Mike Collins in Georgia to Joe Kent in Washington, uh, even people like Robbie Starbuck, who's a, a Hollywood walkaway, you know, and, and this movement has turned into something so unique. How can you weigh in and just give like what your perspective is on like this America First movement heading into the 2022 midterms? Well, I think it's an essential movement. It's the movement of the future because it actually believes in the policies that we espouse. And, and we will take those actions with uh, the grace and dignity of the Constitution within the bounds of the Constitution. And it's very exciting to see this um, and the people are ready for it. You know, the two years of these lockdowns have only made them more uh, encouraged and, and fired up to say enough is enough. Um, and I think you're going to see the states that were locked down the hardest in many times uh, or have uh, some of the worst leadership they're going to have some of the best primary turnouts and also likely the general election turnouts because people uh, understand a little bit more uh, the price of freedom. I mean, right. I'll just tell you in Maryland, uh, we have an incredible, we had over 50,000 moms represented testifying on my Maryland parental rights bill wow. just a week and a half ago. And the reason for that is, is exactly what president Trump has espoused that we have to get back to an America. We can't pretend that we can bridge the gap to uh, the socialists. We have to get back to an America that says, the way forward is freedom, the way forward is our constitution, it's embracing America, it's making sure that our children have a focus and vision on why this country is the greatest country on earth and to stop teaching them this, this uh, BS that our, you know, that our past sins make us the worst place on earth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. What makes us great is that we have a, f- a free land that allows us to correct not only ourselves by the grace of God, but also to make an impact in our culture in a positive way. And we have, that's the principle, that's the uh, the pattern of history that we can see. We have uh, stood up for our freedoms. Our men and women have died for them. And they've made amazing uh, jumps ahead in terms of civil rights for all, more than any other place in the world. I mean, a lot of people don't know this. I practice law in my other hat. And I have a, you know, a constitutional law practice. I I defend churches and businesses and individuals. And one of the things that a lot of people are surprised with is around the world, you don't have the right to a jury, nor do you have the right to civil rights complaints in constitutional courts. Only in rare places in the West, you might have that. Um, But in America, it's a guaranteed right. And so what a privilege we have. And I think that's why it's stirring up so many with vision and hope. 
because uh, America, as Ronald Reagan said, and as President Trump has repeated, is the last best hope for Earth, uh, yes. for freedom. And we have to maintain it. That's not an option. And we, the people, need to stand up and say that, okay, we're going to run for school boards. We're going to run for our local county uh, commissioners and council races. We're going to make sure we go to the statewide rep and Senate races and make a difference and run and get in those positions. And the path forward for that, as your listeners know, is the primary season, which we're in right now. And, and you know, there's still time in Maryland for people to sign up to run for office. And I would urge anybody from Maryland listening to this to take a serious look at your jurisdiction, where you are. And if you're America first, if you be, if you believe in these freedom uh, Republican values that President Trump has stood for against, and like you said, in the face of many uh, rhino Republicans, Republicans that pretend that want to be, you know, neo neocons, um, we need to get back to this, and we can by taking charge of this party and keeping it moving in the direction of keeping our principles. And I would urge everyone to do that. And I think it's a great future. I think we're going to see 2022 with uh, not just a red wave, I think we're gonna see a conservative, a real America first wave. I mean, we saw it in Texas, every single person President Trump endorsed uh, won their primaries. And I think we're gonna see that across the nation. I believe I'm on track to win the primary, although we're gonna keep working like we're behind. Um, it's Maryland for, you know, for crying out loud, we gotta keep working our butts off, but uh, it's exciting to see the groundswell of support. And I, I ask everyone that can uh, join up to help us at coxforfreedom.com. I can't raise money until April 13th because I am currently in the legislature, uh, but um, we're full steam ahead. And my my running mate, Lieutenant Governor Jordana Schifanelli, is amazing person. Everyone needs to get to know her at restorefreedoms.com and also on my website, coxforfreedom.com. Our campaign is a winning campaign. And interestingly, Jordana comes from the the same region of the world as Melania Trump. So oh, nice. um, they have a knowledge, you know, these uh, women who have been, and, and men who have survived communism in Eastern Europe, they have a, a embrace, uh, they embrace our freedoms in many ways um, more. Um, uh, they recognize them quicker maybe than sometimes we do because they know what it's like to not have them. And uh, she, you know, stepped up to the plate to run with me. And she said, you know, this reminds her the, the, uh, the Antifa, you know, people marching with their fists raised in our streets and burning our cop cars and, and burning our businesses. I mean, that's front and center here in Maryland. And, and it reminded her of communist Eastern Europe and um, the fact that she remembers as a little girl, not having bread. So we're in this to win this. Um, and there is going to be a wave of freedom Freedom is on the ballot in 2022, and it's going to it's going to tee this up for President Trump in 2024. And we are going to reelect Donald J. Trump to be the 47th president of the United States. Yeah, that sounds that sounds good to us and our listenership. Dan, this has been awesome getting to sit down and, and chat with you today. You know, it's been a we've been trying to schedule for quite some time now, and, and Patience has done an awesome job of. Uh, making sure you had some availability for us. I think our listenership is really going to enjoy hearing all about your campaign and getting out there to support you. Can you just let us know that campaign website one more time and maybe any social medias you'd like to direct our listenership to, to be able to support you once you could start after April 13th. Thank you. Yes. Well, first of all, you can sign up to volunteer now and also get my signs and, and other materials, but it's coxforfreedom.com. Coxforfreedom.com. That's all spelled out. Uh, you can also go to dancoxforgovernor.com, which portals to the same page. And that website is, uh, it's got a sign up, a volunteer sign up, and we, we need 
we are organizing every precinct. So we need uh, thousands of volunteers. We already have several thousand, but we need probably over 10,000 to make sure we have every precinct covered that we can. And um, we're going to go, you know, we're already doing door knocking. There's a great campaign going across the state. The energy is there. It's amazing. We have a renewed vision for constitutional leadership, and we're asking everyone to join us and support the Trump ticket in Maryland. We can win. And people say, well, how can a Trump ticket win in blue Maryland? I'll tell you one, one word and how we can. Freedom. Freedom is on the ballot. President Trump received over a million votes here in Maryland. And uh, that's with all the fraud. So um, with the million votes he received and the fact that uh, there are there is now a, an amazing shift in the unaffiliated, which Maryland has one of the highest numbers of unaffiliated in the nation. That shift is there and they're on our side. They're tired of what they're seeing. Um, I even had a Democrat that's been a lifelong Democrat endorse me. And she said and she's connected to some of the highest Democrats in America in her family. And she and will announce that for the general election. But she came up to me and she said, you know, I'm voting for you because of one reason, freedom over my own body from these mandates. These mandates are wrong. And you know what else she said? She said, you know, about 25% of uh, Democrats are going to vote for you on that principle alone. And I think, you know, we've done the numbers. We can win in Maryland with, the, with this freedom vision. And that's why I'm so proud to have President Trump's endorsement and to uh, make sure we hold up this banner uh, that charts the path for Maryland to prosperity. You seem to be uh, adding a lot of into the equation that it looks like it's going to be a pretty successful campaign. And, and Dan, like I said, we'd love to have you back closer to the general election, get an update and continue to support you. Um, this is the uh, current Maryland state delegate who's running to be the next governor of the great state of Maryland with the endorsement of President Trump. Mr. Dan Cox, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you. God bless. All the best. Very solid campaign platform for Dan Cox in Maryland. Yeah. Be nice for if, see if he could uh, help turn that state red again. He's been working really hard in the uh, local level, and it's good to see him parlay that into a America First gubernatorial campaign. Before we get into our last segment, I do have an update on the previous one, the Trump rally. So within the last little while, um, Mrs. Trump World, Liz Arrington, released a statement of a letter that was sent to Donald Trump following the rally from Hall of Fame college football coach and pregame speaker Lou Holtz. Mm. I'm going to read it real quick because it's only two lines. Dear President Trump, you never cease to amaze me. The weather was terrible, but the crowd was unbelievable. To have people sit in that cold and wait for you all day is a great compliment to you. This country needs your leadership, and I know that this is a decision that you and your family must make. Just know that I am here anytime that I can assist you and to support you. Sincerely, Lou Holtz. Nice. Very solid. I like it like it too you know what i don't like hmm. is our continuing segment on the war in the middle class mm. which is going to be our last new segment of the day and what we're going to wrap the show with so very unfortunate to uh have to continue to keep revisiting this there's so much crap going on in this country right now and you know it all starts with the uh man supposedly in charge the emptiest of suits joe byron what, what do you want to tell him right now noah the emperor has no clothes. There you go. He brought some uh, visual aids up with him on their weekend getaway to Philadelphia. Visual aids. Some what? some papers that he tried to, uh, well, you're just going to have to hear it. Let's Did, jump into it. Was it upside down? 
blame Biden for rising gas prices. And then it goes on to explain why gas prices are so high. Washington Post op-ed by, Washington. Uh, by um, Dana Milbank. Opinion, Biden heated Republicans' plea to ban Russian oil. They pounced. And it goes on to talk about why it's gone. Don't let anybody tell you anything you <laughs> did supporting the idea that we block Russian oil coming into the country, which is going And I said at the time, prices are going to go up for gasoline. It up. wasn't anything we Earth. did. And by the way, you're in a situation right now where if you take a look, the idea, can we uh, uh, pump more oil? There are now uh, uh, now five, there are 172 gas and oil rigs running. Now we have, there are 519 in operation before this all began. But guess what? They have over 7,000 permits. Thought it was nine. To dig oil if they want. Dig oil. Why aren't they out pumping oil? Mm. Why aren't they out pumping oil? Because they've said, and they're very clear, Wall Street Bankers have made it very clear. Not a joke. Check it out. I recommend these two articles to you, just as a little bit of a primer. You probably already know it. One of them is an independent fact checker on Facebook. Well, the oil companies and the executives, they don't want to pump more oil, although they have every capacity to do so. Nothing is slowing them up from doing it if they want to. Yeah, they don't want to make money. Rather than spend the profits and the increased price of gasoline, they would rather take those profits and buy back stock, buy back their own stock rather than take that money and invest it in pumping new oil. Not a joke. Not a joke. So don't tell me gas prices rose because I've slowed down the American energy production. In my first uh, year well, the in first office, the yes. production grew you didn't slow by 9.7 million it. barrels today to 11.6 million. Mm. While we still made a major, major effort to deal with global warming and changing the way in which we shift renewable renewable energy so the sad thing is that the reason he's able to say this stuff is because obviously he's a coddled old man who they just tell him what to say yeah and he probably believes all of it Mm -hmm. i mean i mean he probably believes he won Mm -hmm. i'm just in shock it's like what the fuck was that yeah, so uh, it's just like <laughs> it's just so embarrassing. It it's not going to be financially reasonable for them to pump out a bunch of stuff if they have nowhere to put it or any way to get it anywhere. Yeah, so anywhere, you have no yeah. the pipelines and the there's that clip of Biden side by side where he's saying that exact thing where it's not his fault next to we're going to just disable the entire oil industry completely and keep and them from fracking, being able to yep. pump 100%. Fracking, and somebody, pipelines, everything yeah, gone. Somebody put that side by side. But everything that we've done, or not we've done, everything they've done to limiting the amount of trucks that can be on the road, the owner-operators being able to operate their trucks, you know, even trucks that are a certain age being able to being able to operate, mm-hmm. it just all slows down. It's... The supply chain is also transporting this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you want if you want green, you probably don't want a bunch of diesel rigs out there hauling this shit around. You probably just want it to be creeping along inside a pipe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Don't get excited, Hunter. <laughs> you said, did you say cracking along inside a pipe? No, I said creeping. 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 He's a creep. 
Nancy doubled down on those claims at the same event over the weekend. Let's hear her way in. Mm-hmm. Get back to the question, the larger issue about Putin's tax. That's, a, a, that's really Putin's gas hike. That's his gas hike. This, so much of this uh, increase in the gas tax, uh, gas uh, price started uh, a few weeks leading up to what happened there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I got one more clip uh, So on much of the... Stay right there. Harness that. Bottle it, even. I got one more on her, and then we're going we're gonna to touch on that. Well, I, I have to bottle it because I can't. My pipeline's down. Jump it in. <laughs> but we have to live in a year where even though the bills are 10 years, they measure it for 20 years. And Imprimantor said... Who? A trillion dollars over 20 years is saved. So when we're having this discussion, it's important to dispel some of those who say, well, it's the government spending. No, it isn't. The government spending is doing the exact reverse, reducing the national debt. It's not inflationary. What? B, uh, we don't want to reduce the... um, 20% raises we just got? Jobs, Mm. which we're very proud of this president breaking records, historic numbers of jobs created in the first year Fact of check. his False. turning office and a lot of it traced to the, uh, the uh, American Recovery Act. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's oh. paying very close attention to it. But this starts with Putin because of global inflation for reasons beyond gas. She almost just said Kahlua. Okay, so zero context in the last two clips because they're both completely unequivocally false and complete horseshit. Yeah. Nancy has been on kind of a cognitive decline. Uh, like, it's rapidly upticked, like, the last maybe, like, three, four months. Well, they need a pipeline to have all the drugs or whatever they're using on Biden to get him to be lucid. It's all an act, in my opinion. You don't what, think she's acting, really that bad? Her acting all fucking <laughs> battle axy. No, I think she's messed up, and she's an alcoholic and a cokehead. And don't get me wrong. You but think she's a cokehead? 100%. 81 years I, I've old? Seen, like, might be the dentures. I, I the last show. Like, I lived in Hollywood. I've never done it in my life, but I've seen cokeheads. She, like, she's she's a cokehead. <laughs> no, I've had people look like they're about to gnaw on the counter of the bar I was at, but, like, I think her, yeah, dent- I think way, her dentures are just loose. Well, she drinks a lot of alcohol, and she yes. needs to sober up. You know what I mean? So that's kind of like a combo that alcoholics use, especially in, you know, government politics. I like it. I mean, remember Boris? Like, they found traces of yeah. coke all over, like, Parliament and whatnot. Yeah, These that's true. Are... And he, he was up there, too. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I think she plays it up a bit more. I mean, obviously, she's under the influence. But I think she might start to really play into the cognitive decline to kind of maybe possibly use not, it as Not show possible. up at the changing of the gavel after the midterm elections? Maybe. Mm, I can only dream it because it's not that close yet. You know what else? <laughs> kind of wasn't on my radar is some places where we saw some weird talking points this weekend and and whose mouths it was coming out of. Um, We're going to play Noah's favorite creeper first, Bill (laughs) Bill Maher, who was uh, weighing weighing in on some foreign policy issues. I don't care. I like him. Let's hear uh, 
his take on some of the things going on right now. But I'm not sure I can follow Biden's logic all the way when he dragged January 6th into this. He said, look, how would you feel if you saw a crowd storm and break down the doors of the British Parliament, kill five cops, injure 145, or the German Bundestag or the Italian Parliament? I think you'd wonder. Okay, but if Putin thought Trump was really that supportive of him, why didn't he invade when Trump was in office? It's at least worth asking that question if you're not locked into one intransigent thought. Mm, yeah? Yeah. I feel like I said almost that exact same thing a little while ago, mm-hmm. just without using the word intransigent. What? Nice. I, <laughs> I also, I will give Bill Maher credit. He did read that ridiculous quote by Joe Biden <laughs> seamlessly. Yeah. It was like the biggest run-on sentence I've ever seen. But even more notably was... Uh, Here's the deal. The Daily Show is Trevor Noah. Yeah. And not only his take on the whole situation that's going on right now. Spot on Trump. But his his pretty interesting, yeah, Trump impersonation, which (laughs) makes me think, what goes on behind closed doors with all of these Hollywood weirdos? Let's hear him. We've been watching Trump long enough, you know, to get his... His accent down or his, you know, voice. I wish I could do it as good as this guy does. There isn't playing ball with Joe Biden. And you know what? You can say what you want, but this would have never happened to Donald Trump. Mm. Never. No one was ever ignoring Donald Trump's calls. Yeah, because if you ignored Donald Trump's calls, you didn't know how he would respond. Maybe he'd send an angry tweet or maybe he'd just like ban your country from everything. You don't know. That's why I bet in these situations, Biden actually wishes that he could hire Trump to step in as president wildcard, you know, just keep everyone on their toes. Because if Trump was calling, you best believe the UAE, they'll be racing to pick up the phone. Oh, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, we're here. We're here. Hello? Too late, Ahmed. You made me wait two rings. We're bombing the UAE and the UFC, just in case. There is no denying. That's how- <laughs> just in case. <laughs> It was, it was so good. So good. The UFC. Oh, amazing. <laughs> it was good. Back to that one though. That's a huge flip from the the whole minute narrative that they were uh they were pushing. Yeah. yeah. And just hating. I'm telling you, we we've talked about it several times and Antoinette's been able to really give us some insight in these Holly weirdos and all of their big corporate establishment banker buddies want everything to go back to normal. They just want it without Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of the people in the radical progressive left are learning you cannot have one without the other. Yeah. So yeah. peace through strength sometimes meant those, we call them funny, but sometimes weird talking points. Mm-hmm. You know, I listened to an audio clip this week where Madison Cawthorn told a group of constituents from his district that Donald Trump told Vladimir Putin on day one, Anything happens in Ukraine under my presidency, we're just going to bomb Moscow. It's simple as that. <laughs> like, don't even worry. Don't even worry. Like, and he's probably just like, "Is he serious?" Yeah. Like, Vladimir, <laughs> listen, Vlad. There will be bombs. But as we wind it down here and get ready for our last interview, we're going to play our last audio clip of the day because we are still on this thread of the war on the middle class. We've heard Biden and Pelosi double down on. It's not their fault. It's our fault. And in turn, from it being our fault, it's still Donald Trump's fault and Vladimir Putin's because they were best buddies, apparently. But it's the people in Congress right now who are looking to really put under the microscope and hopefully correct 
big time in the midterm elections. It's kind of a sombering clip, but a reality that we all need to face as, you know, not only our listenership to the show, but as responsible voters in the United States. Let's hear him weigh in on it. This idea of the uniparty, uh, these people who are all in Washington, D.C. and are all, all, all friendly, friendly, they, they, they fight on, on the news, but then when they get all behind closed doors, they're all buddy-buddy. I thought, I knew there probably was some of that. I, I really did. You know, just some people who were political opportunists, and they didn't care if they ran as Democrat or Republican. But now that I've gotten to Washington, I realize it is such a deep-rooted issue. I expected to have, you know, 100, 150 at least Republicans that I could count on that were, were really were like all of us from Western North Carolina. It's not true. I mean, there are maybe 30, 40 Republicans that I say really have our best interests at heart. Mm. Kind of makes my heart drop a little bit. Yeah. yeah. 30 to 40 Republicans mm. out of all those seats in the House. It's uh, very disparaging to hear that, but I see it as a good thing and definitely as an alarm bell that needs to be sound as we head into these uh you know, primaries and then the midterm elections in November. Well, the good news is that people, you know, you could sound the alarm bell all you wanted before and people would just, no, 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 just completely ignore it. But now it's like, eh, maybe that smoke detector is in my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely in my bank account. Is my kitchen on fire? Your gas <laughs> tank's on fire. Your gas tank's on fire. Well, you would actually need gas in it for it to be on fire. We're pretty close to the gas shortages. Well, I'm glad I got my land yacht into the garage finally because she will not be driving anywhere. At less than eight miles per gallon anytime soon. Mm. You know, who's probably going to talk about these rising gas prices this is our last guest of the day. Cost me like 30 bucks to get to the gas station. An America First candidate with a <laughs> special announcement. We'll call it a stay exclusive. Yep. About to yeah. be announced on our show. And uh, we need like a little news ticker noise for stay exclusives. You are the audio guy. So that's right. Instead of doing the Darth Vader voice when we're not recording, you can <laughs> find stuff that applicably goes into the show then. Note to self. There you go. But as we are waiting for Kate Corrigan's audio to key up. All right. Joining us next on the show, she's a freedom fighter. She's out there for religious and medical rights as an advocate, defender of the Constitution, and a congressional candidate in the upcoming midterm elections. Kate Corrigan, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's our pleasure to have you. Uh, How's everything going on your end? Good. It's been super busy, but the we're doing amazing work, reaching out to different voters, connecting with people on issues that are really affecting Long Islanders. So I'm feeling very excited about the primary, which is June 28th. Okay. And uh, things in the race right now, how's everything going with that? Things have been very well, very well. I um, am now running in New York's first congressional district, which obviously with the redistricting maps, we didn't really know where we would end up. Uh, New York was, our maps were really gerrymandered mm-hmm. um, because of the Democrats. And so, you know, they feel very threatened by strong conservatives, strong Republicans throughout New York state that have enough, have had enough with the tyranny that we've experienced over the last two years. Uh, so I've always uh, lived in CD1, um, in New York. And obviously with the gerrymandered maps, we wouldn't know where we would end up. So I'm now running in the first congressional district. So I'm excited to announce that today. Uh, but as Long Islanders, we all face the similar issues. Uh, and in fact, many Americans across the country face the same issues with these high gas prices, with the tyrannical vaccine mandates, um, and all of our 
veterans have been facing the same issues with not having enough support. So we, we definitely can see that we've had the same issues affect all Long Islanders and many Americans across the country. Yeah, New York's been a pretty difficult place to run. And then you talk about some of the uh, outstanding candidates running in the Republican Party, a lot of rhinos there who have been in the establishment and running for a long time. I know, uh, based off of, I do a lot of research in regards to the House and Senate seats that are open and, and those America First races that are getting in there. It's good to see you jump into a place that's going to have an open seat and kind of a, a, a more uh, opportune chance to get an America First candidate into the beltway following the election. So congratulations on that. And, and I appreciate the fact that you're announcing it on our show. Yes, thank you so much. You know, the problem is that we do get these either career-long politicians or rhinos that don't stand up for our constitutional values. You know, I'm pro-Second Amendment, pro-freedom, pro-freedom of speech, pro-religious freedom, pro-parental rights, pro-protecting our military and defending our small businesses that have uh, been totally neglected over the past few years. And not enough Republicans have stood up to what is going on. And so that's why we need to bring back and stand firm in our beliefs of making uh, or keeping America first, making sure Americans are protected. I think when I was doing some research on you, one of the most interesting things, and every candidate kind of brings something different to the table. They're coming from different, you know, facets of life. They're either like, you know, family and and retired, they're former military, or, uh, you know, they're not really into politics, they're business owners. You know, getting to become an America First candidate and believe in a lot of things you uh, – that you are making part of your campaign platform right now, which is pretty awesome, uh, comes from some real-life experiences. I think your walk to conservativeship has been very unique and, and equally as interesting, and I just want you to let our listenership hear about that a little bit. Certainly. Yeah, so in, in college, I studied abroad in in Taiwan and in northern India, and I lived in the largest Tibetan refugee settlement in the country, or I'm sorry, in the world. And so I'm very much strong in pushing back against China, uh, especially with their surpassing us in the economy, but also with the human rights violations that the Chinese Communist Party have constantly uh, pursued against neighboring countries. And now we've seen, you know, China weaponize this bioweapon, COVID-19, and it has allowed not only the Chinese Communist Party to infiltrate their communistic values and beliefs onto their own people, but we're seeing that here in America. You know, in China, we've always seen issues with uh, not having the right to uh, free speech, not having the right to practice your religion. And we're saying that here in America with the closing down of our churches, uh, the harsh um, censorship on social media. And, you know, if if a country can or if uh, Twitter can remove and censor a sitting president, they can go after anyone. And we're seeing that now more often where conservatives are being attacked on college campuses. They're being attacked online. They're being attacked at their jobs. And we've had enough. So that's why I've stepped up to to um, run for run for Congress, to bring back some just constitutional values, which we should already have in place anyway. Yeah, that's a really good point you make there and, and, and kind of an interesting backstory. You were so close to and pretty much surrounded by communism. It, it seems like a lot of those things when you return back to the United States and move back here, it, it, it seemed like it raised some red flags and was very alarming to you to see the direction that our country is going in right now, especially after the, uh, the change in presidents after the 2020 presidential election, I'm sure. Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. Well, we've, we've certainly um, been attacked with 
with a bunch of communism taking away our gun rights, taking away our right to free speech, taking away our right to practice our own faith. And these are basic rights that our nation was founded on. And so when you think about people taking away constitutional values and saying that they're selfish, that that's completely unacceptable. And that thinking is where we see issues which stem from our educational system. I experienced that when I was uh, canceled and shunned from my university. And uh, it, it's completely horrific what's happening. We're seeing that in our school system with critical race theory. And, uh, you know, these teachers oftentimes think that they, they know everything and can become the parents of children and take away, taking away parental rights. You know, I was homeschooled from third grade up until high school, um, right before I went to college. And so I was very lucky in a way where my mother saw the indoctrination happening years and years ago. And now a lot of parents are really seeing this where these um, schools, instead of calling them like public schools, they're really education schools where the education, where our government is now raising our children. Our children are away from their parents for so many hours a day that, you know, they're really being raised by their teachers mm -hmm. and their, their classmates and especially in college campuses we see that as well yeah that's uh you know something that definitely needs to be examined even more closely and then it's indoctrination yeah get away from the the schools right now that are going on we've even seen just most recently i saw last night there was some expose work that came out in the state of wisconsin that showed there were internal literature being passed around from the school district out to the teachers that show parents should have no control over what's being taught inside the classroom. And that's kind of a safe space for teachers to do whatever they want. And that's just absolutely out of control and not the way it works, especially in the public school system. That's frightening. Yeah, it's really horrifying because our, our schools are teaching our children to to hate our country, to hate our flag, to disrespect our constitutional values. And, you know, that's that's the issue when we start defending communistic countries that such as China and Russia. And now we're, we're relying on Russia for our oil, which we've been relying on them since Biden took office. Like the first thing he did was close down our own uh, Keystone pipeline and rely on Russian oil, uh, which is just crazy how the media frames it that all of a sudden now gas is so high. Gas has been high for a while and now it's just gone up astronomically. Yeah. But, um, you know, when, we, when we're relying on these communistic countries that uh, disrespect um, basic rights such as free speech, we, we take away our own um, constitutional values. And so that's why we need to become energy independent. We need to support American businesses and put Americans first, because clearly what we're doing in this administration is putting Americans last. Mm -hmm. Especially the middle class working families, uh, blue collar workers and stuff like that. Okay, what do you think are the most important agenda items on, on your campaign right now to the uh, hardworking men and women of Long Island? Definitely. One, one issue that affects all New Yorkers is the issue of these vaccine mandates. We know it's just a matter of time when the vaccine will be man the COVID-19 vaccine will be mandated for our children. And in 2019, in the state of New York, children lost the right to file religious exemptions. In fact, there are six states across the country where children no longer have the right to uh, file a religious exemption. Otherwise, they are kicked out of school. And so one of my main issues is obviously medical freedom, protecting our right to decide what goes into our body without having that basic right. We have no rights at all. And so that's one issue that I'm pressing uh, very firmly. Even these mass mandates, 
we're required to wearing wearing these masks on airplanes that needs to be addressed on the federal level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I know currently there's a few uh, amazing, strong conservative members of Congress that are, are pushing legislation and suing the CDC because of these mask mandates on airplanes. So that's one thing that is a very essential to to not only me personally, but to every American and every New Yorker. Uh, but in addition to that is our immigration issue on Long Island. Uh, we we are basically um, an open island. We we are we have immigrants uh, illegals that are flying into New York. They're flying into Westchester County. They're flying into Long Island, and they're bringing with them drugs and crime. We have a huge issue with MS thirteen with yeah. gangs. And it is it is absolutely horrifying. Back in 2016, President Trump actually came to visit Long Island to discuss the the horrific uh, effects of the MS-13 gangs. And so we need to um, really analyze the situation with our open borders, with not enough airport security. Uh, And so, you know, it takes three months to deport illegals. Uh, back to their countries. And we need to expedite that to 30 days. I mean, three months is not acceptable. So uh, we also have one of the highest opioid epidemics in the country here on Long Island, and it's directly resulted because of our open borders. And that issue is just I mean, I think every day we have thousands and thousands and particularly children coming across our border. I went to our Texas border and I was horrified with what I saw of illegals coming in and and how, you know, our our law enforcement, our border patrol, our National Guard don't have enough resources and don't really have any any rights to try to hold down our, our ground and say this is this is our this is our country. We have law and order and we're not we're not following that law and order right now. Yeah, it seems like you're hitting on just about the entirety of the America First agenda. And at the end of the day, putting those Americans first, all the hardworking men and women in your district, it's something that tries to get the country back on track and, and something that the Republican Party is looking to do after the midterm elections. Yes, definitely, definitely. And now these high gas prices, I mean, it's absolutely insane what's happening. Soon it'll be, you know, $6 a gallon uh, for 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 our gas and we, we really need to become energy independent. We need to reopen our Keystone Pipeline and stop relying on communist countries and begging them for oil um, or begging them for, for other necessities. In the height of COVID, we were, were dependent on China for our, our face masks. And we were dependent on them for, for ventilators, which soon later on, we knew that we never needed ventilators in the first place. Right. And so, uh, you know, when we're relying on these communistic countries for basic needs that we need every single day, uh, it's, it's not acceptable. Well, that's definitely some absolute facts there. Kate, this has been awesome having you jump in and join with us today. Let our listenership get to know you in your newly announced uh, run for New York District 1. Can you let our listenership know where they could follow you on social medias and then your campaign website? Yeah, definitely. So um, my my website is katecorrigan.com and you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter account is I am Kate Corrigan and Facebook and Instagram. It's this is Kate Corrigan. Great, and we will live link those in the show description today. And, of course, at some point between now and the midterms, hope to have you back to uh, give us a little bit of an update. Yes, thank you so much for having me on the show. This is the America First candidate running to now represent New York 1 in the 2022 midterm elections. Kay Corgan, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you.
Not bad. Pretty solid show today to start the week. I've had worse. Had better. Just kidding. Yes and yes. <laughs> you know what, though? If you want to hear just how amazing it was, in addition to all of our other 115 Steak for Breakfast episodes, you can follow us on all downloadable major podcasting platforms. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, Google Podcasts, FM Player, iHeartRadio, and now, exclusively, via the Roku app on the Patriot Podcast Network. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds, of course, go to our guests, uh, major influencer, New York Times bestselling author, and uh, now friend of the show, Jeet Gabriel. She was amazing today, as was Dan Cox, America First gubernatorial candidate out of Maryland, and America First House candidate now running in New York District 1, Kate Corgan. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And then we got our internet friends, the Patriotic Babe Accounts, Mr. Garbaggio, Kyle Becker of Kyle Becker News, John Backman of Newsmax, Mike Crispy of Rightside Broadcasting Network, Christina Bob, formerly of OAN, and Tom Pappert, the editor-in-chief of the National Files. Friends, don't forget to go and show some love and appreciation for our partners. The only thing you do by throwing money at them is help make small American businesses great again. My pillow. You heard Mike Lindell. There's no doubt about it. He, if he's the uh, pregame speaker at the Trump rallies and he's working hard on behalf of election integrity, you can only imagine how great the savings are at MyPillow.com. When you enter promo code stake at checkout, you'll get big, big savings. You visit them on the website at MyPillow.com forward slash stake or talk to a qualified pillow representative via the telephone 1-800-658-8045. Odyssey, the top tier of ear gear. I love my new headphones and uh, I don't have to be jealous looking at Noah's anymore. Damn! There you go. And they really do sound that good. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready gear holsters. Melted Kydex done right. If you want a picture of uh, Nancy Pelosi doing knife hands. While she's up at the podium. That's not a bad idea. They'll bang it out for you. And faster than ever before, stayreadygear.com. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Instagram. Man rubs. Don't mistreat your meat. It's like rule number one. Because when you buy it, shake it, sprinkle it, rub it, smoke it, pull it, just a little barbecue sauce on it. Maybe scoop it up with a uh, Hawaiian sweet roll and then throw it in your mouth. Num, num, num. If it was in Russia, it'd be gruel number one. There you go. <laughs> Manrebs.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. Pretty simple equation for all the stuff he's got going on down there. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. WestCoastSurvivalArms.com is the website. Phone number is uh, 619-870-6992. And you can hit him up on Facebook Messenger for a fast response. First responders love Mediocre Medic. They love their Instagram even more. Medical tactical gear done right. I like it. Mm-hmm. And you got some flip-flops and fanny packs as well. I still need to get a fanny pack. Uh-huh. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair, home of the zero fuck is duck, is at dumpbox.us. Go hit Mark Joe Friday up, throw some money at him and all the amazing stuff he's got there. I'm looking at uh, one of my zero fuck ducks pins right now. That's on my everyday carry bag. And uh, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on uh, Friday. Got a pretty good one. Josh LaCash, host of Wrong Opinion. He's coming back to the States, and he's going to be joining us as guest host to do the news. We're going to hear from Noah McGarry, who's running in Nevada 3, and uh, Boris Stepstein endorsed 
also part of the uh, future operator caucus in, in the House of Representatives, Tommy Altman, running in Virginia, too. I think it's going to be our first Virginia candidate. Next Tuesday, we've got Michael Johns coming in. We're going to break down all things China. Alan Jacoby, the CEO of the Patriot Podcast Network, is going to come talk to us about everything that's going on with that and give you a little insight into it. The host of the John Backman Show and Meme Team Fridays, John Backman, will be joining us for an interview. And we're going to be sitting down with former ambassador, Trump-endorsed senatorial candidate out of Pennsylvania, Carla Sands. She heard us complaining about her on the show enough that she reached out and we got that locked in this week. Newly hired Save America litigation lawyer Christina Bob will be with us on the 25th. Antonio Patoco, who's running in Maryland 3, will be joining us for an America First interview. And we're going to have our next America First roundtable, New York, New Jersey edition, on the same day. Andrew McCarthy, Mike Crispy, we're getting it done. On the 29th of March, Jim Lehman, Arizona senatorial candidate, will be joining us. We're going to get an update on the Reawaken American tour from Clay Clark. And then Kyle Scheidler. He works for the Center for Securing American Policies. He's going to talk to us about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, all things related to the border, and we're going to get some really hot takes from that guy. On the 1st of April, Amanda Milius and Cash Patel are joining us for a uh, America First Roundtable. And looking down the road a little bit, on the 15th of April, we've got Kelly Townsend running an Arizona One coming on to uh, share some updates on her campaign with us. Friends of the Week, Silent Meme Majority, Most Peaceful Memes, That Southern Dude, What I Mean to Say, Snack Thickelson, Cubertos 2.0, what else we got, Noah? Let's Go Brenda 2. Anybody off the top of your head? Nope. I did share one from Uncharted Territory. It's the backup. <laughs> I love that name. Tyler Time Lord and Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, thanks for remember between now and next show. Pretty simple and easy. Number one, do your own research. You know who does their own research? Brigitte Gabriel. Yeah. She, she laid some facts on y'all today. Follow in her footsteps and the footsteps that we take on the show to bring it to you twice a week and do your own research. Number two, start a podcast. Not too bad. Edit slides stay for Noah. No. I, but I can tell you after Man on the, the Con last week, I wasn't too... <laughs> thrilled to be there's a lot to think about yeah but most importantly let's see what happens this has been episode 116 of the steak for breakfast podcast and we'll be back on friday with episode 117 josh the cash noah mcgarry and tommy outman will be joining us thanks for listening and take care Cobalthorium G has a radioactive half-life of 93 years. If you take, say, 50 H-bombs in the 100 megaton range and jacket them with Cobalthorium G, when they are exploded, they will produce a doomsday shroud, a lethal cloud of radioactivity which will encircle the Earth for 93 years. What a load of commie bull. I mean, after all. Afraid I don't understand something, Alexei. Is the Premier threatening to explode this if our planes carry out their attack? No, sir. 
It is not a thing a sane man would do. The doomsday machine is designed to trigger itself automatically. But surely you can disarm it somehow? No. It is designed to explode if any attempt is ever made to untrigger it. Automatically? Ah, it's an obvious comic trick, Mr. President. We're wasting valuable time. Look at the big boy. They're getting ready to clobber us. But this is absolute madness, Ambassador. Why should you build such a thing? There were those of us who fought against it. But in the end, we could not keep up with the expense involved in the arms race, the space race, and the peace race. And at the same time, our people grumbled for more nylons and washing machines. Our doomsday scheme cost us just a small fraction of what we've been spending on defense in a single year. But the deciding factor was when we learned that your country was working along similar lines, and we were afraid of a doomsday gap. This is preposterous. I've never approved of anything like that. Our source was the New York Times.